Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Salutations, everybody. It is Maddie here today, and welcome to episode 305 of the Ham Radio Podcast. And it's me, Dustin, with Last Stand Media. Hello. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Ladies What's and gentlemen, up? we're back. We are back. We took one week off. It was the first time we've done this since, I want to say, like Christmas. Um, so we are back here. It's myself and Dustin. Carrick said the center of his head was splitting. Uh, so he did not make this episode. This is our E3 predictions episode. We still got news in this. We're going to talk PlayStation exclusives, the future of that stuff between the cross-gen releases and where PlayStation lies, I know Dustin's pretty fired up about it. I'm interested to have an opinion exchange with him on that. And then we also got Marvel XCOM alongside some other Ooh. 2K leaks, like a new Borderlands game. And then we'll get into your patron questions. So we thank all of you for listening. Welcome one, welcome all. We've had a lot of overlap between all of our shows when you were on Handsome Phantom, Sacred, Defining Duke here. So wherever you're coming from, uh, please enjoy your stay. Uh, this is a more laid-back gaming show where... We just show up, kick our feet up, have a good time, and, and riff off each other for a couple of hours. And if you're into that and you want to support that, down below in the description is Patreon. You can sign up for early access, just a buck, um, and you'll be directly supporting what I'm doing here. Uh, but you can also directly support Dustin. His streams are in the description right. down below, and your streams have been doing excellent, sir. Dude, I had a, a crazy stream on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So that was thanks to our friend Chris Raygun. Gave me a, one of the a raid, mm. and so Chris raid gun. Hmm. Chris raid gun. That's mm. right. Yes. And uh, it ended up going like four hours, which is I usually only stream for two, and beat the third boss yeah. on Returnal. Oh, Went nice. very well, very well. But Maddie, here's the thing. Okay, first of all, I'm thinking. Uh, sorry, audio listeners, but we got to get this. I'm gonna burn a candle. You know, this <laughs> is a special event. Actually, I mean, I don't burn these for special events. I just burn them when I'm feeling. Are you a candle guy, Maddie? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Love candles. I like a, a good candle when I'm in a deep edit. Um, oh, oh, which is like weird. You no, know, I love. Yeah, that. of course. And I'm standing up. We got to get the standing going. Okay, I meant to stand at the beginning because that <laughs> it elevates. Ah. The oh <laughs> shit! Damn, I hate myself right now. Um, You're on a roll. Keep going. No, I like the the candles when I'm editing, uh, you know, a project. It's I'm I still edit, you know, nearly daily basis, but it's like very because I'm putting long podcast shows together. It's like a formula, like plug this in, put this mm-hmm. here, intro, outro, export. It's not really creative editing anymore, which is I don't know, Maddie. You do a lot of creative editing for your oh, channel. Yeah. I love and hate it. Because it's like 
there's like this anxiety in my brain of like everything I do sucks. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, what am I going to do? Like for, yeah. you know, until and then it's like it hits you and then you get into the flow and then you don't want to stop. Yep. It's like this. My stupid brain doesn't want to start editing. And then when you start for a good project, it's like, no, I can't stop. I have to do it all now. I got two examples of that. I got, uh, I'm got. i working on a new episode of Humanity's Worst Games, and it's Batman Dark Tomorrow. I recorded a shit ton of clips for that, for this like whole skit throughout the whole the whole video. It's ridiculous, man. It's Especially for like a series that I know doesn't do that well now. Like I hope it does down the line. But like right now, I understand like it's got to build up. And so, of course, me being me, I'm like, let me just throw like everything I've got at this one. And so I'm kind of putting it off because I know it's such a big undertaking. I'm like, this weekend, maybe. Um mm-hmm. And then there's moments where I've had you because you said, oh, uh, I've had those things where I go, oh, I'm such an idiot. I've had recordings that I've genuinely thought were bad, but I know will be saved by my editing because I'm like, oh, this will be a little bit funnier. Everything will come together when you see things because I did a Bioware video uh, talking about Dragon Age 4 and I was like, I'm kind of concerned and I felt like, oh, am I reading too much? And as I saw it like start to get put together, I was like, OK, this this is much better than I thought it was. It's just you have to actually see it. So, yeah, editing's just. If I could walk away from editing entirely, I would, which I'm trying to do. Mm. You know, I, I, I have Kopi occasionally helping me. Josh helps me occasionally. Lockmore is now occasionally helping me, which is Dude. awesome. So, got a nice he little editing me a squad. He sent me a clip from uh, the new, the next Mass Effect Oh, no, I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen it yet. He sent me the full thing, but I was, I was super busy yesterday, so I didn't get a chance to watch well, it, but I'm very excited. I don't know what I should say, but I've got, a cameo, I've got a cameo in your edit. Yes. It's it's like one second long. It's like one <laughs> quick second, dude. It, he sent it to me. It's it's really funny. Yes, I think you'll enjoy dude. it. Yes. Now people like knew right away when I posted the first part of the Mass Effect Supercut, people went like, That's Lockmore's editing. <laughs> oh yeah. He did, the, he did like and it showed like my first death, like that sound effect he loves to use. Mm-hmm. It's it's that had that lock He's the DNA. Best. Mm-hmm. He's so good. He's yeah. such a great and dude, Lockmore now, um, he he and I talk regularly on mm. on Discord. I mean, it's actually kind of weird. I mean, maybe this is normal for content creators or, or gaming content creators. There's there's people that I talk to regularly. Not maybe not every day, but mul- like I talk to you multiple times a week. Sometimes mm. business. Sometimes we BS about stuff. Yeah. Um, Jimmy Champagne, who was on Defining Duke Ultimate, I talked to him multiple times a week bsing um mm-hmm. lockmore i talked to him like um i don't know it, it makes it it ha- it makes our work have like this office like quality mm-hmm. of like oh we're all working and doing stuff and you can bs yeah. a little bit in between so oh, absolutely absolutely nice. uh that reminds me i wanted to throw out there because you brought up duke ultimate i wanted to throw oh. out there to the audience um i will be doing our monthly q a in the coming week i totally slept on that one i apologize that's part of the replacement for our supplemental show here uh may got really busy for me with three reviews um mass effect necromunda and biomutant so i do apologize for that but i will be doing the q a soon rounding up all those questions and that'll be patron only um and then yeah other than that no other updates on what's happening on my end anything happening for you or shall we dive into what we're playing i think if anything new um no i'm just uh just hustling on the stream and uh i guess that's it that's really it you know same old same old i'm just glad you know 
something about the changing of seasons sometimes when it starts to get nice out. I feel reinvigorated mm. in a lot of ways. It's nice. How can you not um, feel good in the month of June if you're a gamer? I don't know. Even or, last year. Oh, dude. It is. Maybe that's it. I, the, the electricity is in the air right now with, yeah, uh, with E3. That's actually something I should. Thank you, Manny. You've, you've sparked this. I do have one major thing to plug, but it may be in competition with you, Maddie. Now that I realize I'm sure that you're streaming a lot. Are you co-streaming a lot of events? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, by all means promote people like you. We're both, <laughs> we're both co-stream. That's not true. What are you fucking talking I'm about? I'm kidding. Fuck I'm you. Kidding. <laughs> okay. Listen, Maddie and I are both co-streaming events for E3. Uh, have us both open on both tabs at full max volume. Yeah. And full chaos mode. I like uh, that. It'll be Someone the best way it. to watch E3. Just just a noise. It'd be great. That or we'll do something together. Like, I don't know if you want to. We could do Maddie. that. That'd be fun. Maddie. Now we're cooking here. But how do we do that? Do, I mean, like, just have you on one of mine and me on one of yours? Because I Get feel like... call together. Fire up the stream when, let's say, Xbox's show is starting up. We'll just sit there. You'll you'll be live on your channel. I'll be live on my channel, and we'll just be reacting and call together. And people will hear whether they're watching your end or my end. They'll we'll be together doing it. Okay, let's let's talk. That. Let's discuss that. I All like right. this idea though. Okay, Some synergy. Beautiful. People love synergy. Synergy. That's a great word. <laughs> it is. I haven't used that in years. Uh, <laughs> All right. Let's get into what we're playing. We got a lot of different mm. things to talk about for this week. Um, so I will, I will take the initiative and go first. Resident Evil eight has been completed. I don't know how to feel about this one. I finished it last night. I stayed up pretty late to beat Daddy, it. I, don't I finished it last night too. Really? Let's go. Yes. Okay. Let's go. Beautiful. So we can have a conversation on that right away. Did you like it? Yes. Yeah. I liked it too. Did you love it? Uh, I, I know everyone's already heard this take before really 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 like the first half and then mm. it's just kind of like a decline of like not it never becomes bad or well oh. that factory maybe yeah. the factory is a little yeah. bad at points I, I can agree to that but I, uh, so back and forth on it excellent gameplay experience i want to say that on the positive note, uh, I like this as a video game, although I don't think seven was bad by any stretch as a game. The progression and the reward of exploration was nice. Now, I say reward because m navigating the village was a pain in the tuchus occasionally, and I uh, was not as consistently a fan of it as I was in the early going um, I, my biggest problem was, and this is not spoilery, but I want to warn the audience just in case I'm talking kind of general length of sections. Um, so if that does matter to you, just know, I'm going to kind of disclose some of that. Cause I think it's really important anyway, even if you don't want things spoiled to know what to expect. Cause lady Dimitres, she, she's, you know, the, the primary woman marketed throughout this entire game. She's there. It's a about three hour section. I'm like, okay, cool. Like this has been great so far. Um, and then other sections of the game don't get as much development, which I think is good. Cause she was at the forefront of the marketing. Like she should have been there for a long stretch of time. But once you move on to other parts of the game, I found myself disappointed. Like the Benevenito, I think that's how you say it. The Donna plays with the dolls. Yes. 
Yeah, so, like very scary, by the way. Yes. I I freaked out, but like half an hour. And I'm not complaining because I could barely handle it, but like that could have used some more time. Next section after that, very short. Then you just get – there's a longer section at the end, and it, it's like why is this significantly long? And then they lore bomb you, and I'm like, man, like the pacing for this game is so jarring. Not a bad game, just so jarring. I want to love it. Because like when you start getting the new game plus stuff, I'm like yes, this is this is awesome. I wish more games did this. But there's so much stuff in there that I, I think I need to go into a second playthrough to really oh to really solidify those thoughts. Because I know it's much shorter the second time through because you have everything. Um, and I I love it enough on a gameplay front, but I think I like seven more right now. We'll see if that changes. Yeah, I think I I think I can agree with that. That I like sevens more contained story. But it is interesting that I think that they seven also has a kind of shitty final act as well. You're talking um, about the boat? Yes. Oh, I like that, but I, I get that. Really? The exploration of that was a, a little bit of a pain. It's easy to get yeah. lost there. But I, I I liked it, but I, I understand why people wouldn't. I like that I feel like Resident Evil eight, I think what I like about it the most is that it feels really fun like mm-hmm. not it's not like it, it's not silly but i felt like i was like laughing in a silly and having a silly time when when you know the big lady the big vampire lady i never know how to say her name lady d uh lady double d um <laughs> when she's chasing you around or when she like show when you like go through a door and she's like hello and she's got her you know long yeah, fingers right. and it's like oh fuck and then you're like running away i was like like it just is like I was laughing and it was super fun, mm-hmm. um, but, and I like that. And then there's, you know, the the doll lady, and that was not not laughing as so much, uh, but <laughs> still good, yeah, still good. So I don't know. And that's the other thing is that um, the main um, like the mob enemy, we'll say the the van- not the van- the werewolf guys like. Yeah. They were kind of stupid to me. Oh, but I not like them. Like, not stupid bad. I just, I was almost like, yeah, it kind of be nice if there was, like, different varieties. They almost had the same face. Um, That's true. Like, there was, I like, three types of them. You know, there was, like, more beast-like than, like, kind of human. I don't know. That's why I like, that's one thing I liked a lot about the last part of the game. Once again, we're not going to spoil anything, but I liked how they changed up the way you attack enemies. I thought that part was really good. Yeah. I it's just I can't say for sure. I've actually never had this before where normally I can walk away being like, I like that a lot. But you can explain why you do. I just I'm so in the middle on it where I I can't even say I fully like the game because it's so fun to play, but there were really just up and down moments. That's why I kinda wanna go back because in all fairness, I feel like I need to give this game its second playthrough because I did, as I've said on multiple shows here play about four hours of it, get to the end of the castle, and I stopped because Mass Effect came out. And then when I was going to get back into Resident Evil, then I got Biomine, then I got Necromunda, and I was like, okay. I played this game in a very disjointed fashion. I'm going to acknowledge that. And so I want to play it, like, one full way through, you know, like in a couple of nights, uh, back to back to back. See what happens there. And then I'll kind of deliver the final verdict. Um, But I think I played this game in an unfair manner. 
because I, I did take a big break. I finished Mass Effect 1, and then I, I came back. And it's like, yeah, obviously I'm not going to be as into it. Um, so, And there's stuff that could have been lost in the middle there, stuff I forgot. So maybe that lore bomb I'm talking about at the end, like maybe that's not yeah. as significant if I'm there the whole way through, right? So I, I like it as a game, not as sold on the pacing and the narrative. Yeah, I think that's fair. Either way, though, I think that this is a game that I can strongly recommend to people. If you're interested in it, mm-hmm. then I think it's a really fun time, despite its shortcomings. It's not. It's one of those games I feel like I could be like, yeah, that's a good game. Play it. I don't need to be like, yeah, it's a really good game, but like, obviously there yeah. are those things we don't like about it, but to me it was just like, you know, it's... I think my playtime at the end was, which was longer than most people, I think it was around 10 hours. Mm, mine was not. Um, so, you know, it's low commitment, which some people are like, oh, I don't want to spend $10 or 10 for or sixty dollars for ten hours, and I I can understand that. It's so replayable. Of. I shouldn't, though, I shouldn't mock that. It's so replayable, and I mean, arguably it doesn't look very good. But there's that multiplayer mode that comes with it. But <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, who knows? I, I mean, I hope it's great. Yeah, I, I great. do too. Um, I'm in the same boat. Like, even though I'm not over the moon for it, it it boasts a really high quality. Um, in its in its animations, which it's I'll take a word out of Carrick's dif, def, uh, dictionary. It is masturbatory. It, they definitely are like, look at Ethan's hands doing all these things. Mm-hmm. Happens way too often, but the animations are good. Uh, it, it is a beautiful looking game. The presentation's phenomenal. Um, it is a high quality game. That yeah, if you're looking at it and you kind of have some question marks on it, like it is worth a play. I would have, you know, if I were to have gotten this game for a review, I, I could probably confidently say right now, I'd be like, yeah, you can go buy this safely. But I didn't watch this review, but I saw Skill Up, like, titled his video, like, I recommend Resident Evil 8, even though I didn't really like it. I think I fall into that camp. Like, I, even though oh. I would say I like it, I would, I would say, though, I don't love it so much, but it's still something I think people would love more than I. Kind of like how I felt with Phoenix uh, Rising. You know, that right. game where, like, I knew I was the outlier. I was like, yeah, you might like some stuff here more than I did. Same mm-hmm. thing here. And see, Maddie and I both bought the game with our money. Yes. Just to yes. be clear. I know some people, I was, I was kind of mocking the, the price point per hour because I know that some people are like yes. really hung up on that. And uh, we, we buy our games too. Mm-hmm. Um, I buy them anyway. I want to add them to my collection. And, you know, even right. if someone sends me a free code, it's like, all right, it's one more game for the collection now. Um, Dude, that's, um, that happened to me. I didn't. I was not expecting to get Persona Five Royal early. Um, I did not. <laughs> oh, you didn't. Oh, yeah. Well, I yeah. was in. I got. I was in the phase two, so I got it after embargo. Mm. But um, it was. I think it was like a week or a week and a half early. Um, but yeah, I still. I still bought the special edition. Oh, <laughs> you know, you know, I bought the special. Yeah, edition. yeah are you kidding me, man? <laughs> a oh, Joker mask, dude. I had to get that. What's yeah. funny is I. I regularly think I look, I see special editions. I'm like, that's a bunch of bullshit that they're charging you a bunch of money for. And it's trash. I see the persona one and I'm like, it's still trash, but I want it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I'm the same way, man. I actually bought persona five just as is uh, Royal. I should say I bought the collector's edition for the original five. Cause I didn't expect to like Royal as much as I did. I knew I'd love mm-hmm. it, but I didn't cause I love five, but I didn't know what was waiting for me. So I never bought the special edition. I remember beating it 
finishing the third semester and going on eBay and ordering the special edition nice. for like a, a scalped price of like $40 Ooh. more than what it was. Yikes. I was like, whatever. Because I know Atlas and their shit always goes up in price every mm-hmm. time. If if you're a retro game hunter, go look up any Atlas published game on any old system. Their stuff always goes up because they don't print it in a, in a large amount. They never do. So it's just always going up. So I was like, you know what? It's going to be like $250 in a year. I'm going to buy it now. And yep. set up the Joker mask. And I did. Nice. What else have you been playing outside of Resident Evil? Um, well, I talked a little bit about Returnal already. And I don't know. I, I feel like I really would rather wait until I finish it to do a full sure. report. Because I've already talked about it on various shows or whatever. And yeah. I, it, I feel like it's tired at this point. What is interesting, Maddie, something I've... Out of the blue... Not really out of the blue, I guess. But I am... Hardcore playing near Automata again. Oh, right. Oh, it feels so good, dude. I've I've actually only this is my second full playthrough. Okay. So I've only had that one initial experience playing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was back in 2017. So I we we did the near replicant spoiler cast, and I watched a few YouTube videos which are like people talking about analysis or whatever after after we did our spoiler cast just cuz I was like I have some lingering questions here. And then a lot of them were bringing up the connections to Automata and I was like, "Man, I don't I don't want this YouTube video to tell me. I want to I want to play it again and remember." Okay. And see how it feels, the game feels now that I played Replicant because mm-hmm. I've never I feel like I have a whole new perspective on it. So I am playing it on Xbox Series X because it's Game on Pass. Game Pass. Yep. And it has auto HDR and it looks really good. It is it looks noticeably better than when I played it on PS4. It's in a, a lot bit of, of a, ways. It looked kind of faded on older consoles, so I'm sure mm-hmm. that auto HDR helps a lot. Dude, the the auto HDR and I don't know what the resolution is, but I feel like it might just be my memory. I feel like it looks sharper, which it is doing the backwards compat where it's probably like taking some advantage. If there's a variable resolution, then it's probably running at like the max mm-hmm. all the time at 60 FPS. I've no, no frame drops. It's just been a pretty pleasant experience. It's It's that. been cool because I don't know. There's something about gaming. A lot of times now we're playing games and I'm like being very analytical thinking about like, ooh, what am I going to say about this? Or uh, how do I feel about this? And then like this playing near again, it's just like purely comforting. It's it's just like nice. I play you it. You just don't have to say anything, right? Right, which I am now, but that's it's out of passion. It's like right. this game is so good. And I don't know, maybe this is like a a fanboy thing at this point but like some of the parts that i think that maybe some people would find lame i think are like really fun and cute like there's the part when you're in the castle because there was a previous conversation where he's like he's like you know to you can call me nines and it's like this kind of cheesy conversation and the first time i played it like that was weird and then later she's like calls him nines he's like i heard you say it i don't know yeah. why but i think it's like maybe they it's because i have it's it's right. interesting and now that I like, I don't know, it's been, I've been years attached and I've always thought like, I love those characters. And now it's like that interaction has a different feeling yeah. to it. 
And dude, I totally forgot how uh, when you're playing, you like blow up this robot, and then there's this this cutscene, and then it's just Emil's head. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. They like slice, and then it's Emil's head, and I was like, "Whoa!" I remember that he was in it, but I couldn't remember like how he showed up or like what the oh, okay. the context was. Right. Um, and I know I there's like how a whole he shows side up, thing. but I know he I knew he was like the shop. Yeah. 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 So it was that was cool, but yeah, I'm just having a a good time with that. And I will lightly say, Maddie, I started Mass Effect One, oh, but dude. I don't. I'm hmm. trying. I got it on, I was like, okay, I'll sign up for EA Play, whatever, for a PC, right. and play a little bit, and see if I want to do it. And I think I do want to play through all of them, but I don't know if I want to do it on PC. I think mm-hmm. this is a, a couch game. It's, I mean, it's a long-term investment. I don't so, know. I finished the first Mass Effect with most of its content complete in 20 hours. Oh. They're not, they're not very... I'll say this. I didn't remember for anyone to watch my stream. They can tell, like, I don't remember the first Mass Effect. It's been long enough where sure. with all these Mass Effect games, I don't remember them like the back of my hand, but like Mass Effect one, it has some beats that like, I just like knew. So maybe that helped, but like I had people writing in like, Oh, it took me 30 hours. took me 25. I played on insanity and everything. And maybe it's cause I was streaming. So anytime I sat down, like I was playing, right. It's not like idle hours or I'm walking away. Um, but yeah, the first one's not a long-term investment really it's the last two that are longer like i think mass effect 2 can go up to like 35 40 hours um if i remember correctly but i don't i try to exhaust all the content in these games and i remember with mass effect 2 i came around to like 30 hours when i finished it granted i was in high school dustin so maybe i was a little less attentive i was like i don't need to say something for a podcast and maybe Mm. i'll miss something here i'm gonna i'm gonna skip this that was the old Maddie. The new Maddie, we have yet to learn. But yeah, there, this is when Bioware was. Obviously, you know this, but this is when Bioware Back wasn't when they were good. These, yeah, they weren't making these like Inquisition Anthem style games, Andromeda, where they're like these eighty-hour beasts. It's like Christ, man, just give me a thirty-hour game and let me replay it. Like that's all I want. So mm-hmm. just know, like, yeah, it, whether you're on PC or couch, it won't be there too long. Um, I wanted to tap into one thing you said about like playing Automata and just kind of be like, oh, I didn't really feel like I have to say anything is I've learned from you that sometimes, and, and I say this, by the way, it's not an insult, less is more. So what I mean by that is there have been times you've like, I was listening to sacred symbols the other week. And I think you Colin and Chris were talking about like, what was what, what happening with IGN and the whole Palestine thing. And the way oh, you yeah. approached it was so, I thought, I thought courteous and intelligent. And I was like, you know, sometimes you don't have to come in with the big speech. Uh, I saw a lot of people really like rallying around you in the comments saying like, I love Dustin's approach for that. And it got me thinking in general, sometimes I like really with defining Duke more so when it's just Carrick and I where like, if Carrick doesn't have something to say, like I might feel I've got to find something to say. And then sometimes less is more. It's like, you know what? Let's just leave it as is. And so I think um, like kind of how I responded to resident evil here where I had some things to say, but I wasn't like fully definitive. Like, yep. This is right. it. This is the call. So I appreciate you for that, Dustin. Yeah. I wanted to shout that out. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's always a balance. You know, you don't want to be like, well, we don't have anything to say. Move on mm-hmm. over and over. But especially I when think... you're in a podcast with three people, it's like, I don't want to. Well, I mean, the Palestine thing was very different. But as yeah. far as when you're talking about a game, it's like, well, everyone's kind of said what I would say. 
So yeah. there's no point in saying it again. Exactly, but. exactly, exactly. And and I think it was uh, just great to see that type of encouragement around that because it, I think if you always have a lot to say about everything, then you know there's that saturation of thought. And I think I'm guilty of that. I'll be honest. Like I am pretty open with my opinion. And I think some people like that about me, but I also think I've learned to sort of tone it down where it's valuable when I come out with a take on some news. I kind of wanted to create that, not like by holding anything back, but just saying like, I don't have to like, people were like, what, what do you think about Nintendo and what's happening with their amiibos? And I'm like, it's fucking dumb, but you know, I'm not going to go make a video about it. You know, I just, yeah, I don't need to talk about everything. So I just wanted to shout that out. Um, Thank you. One other thing I'm playing. I want to talk about two actually real quick. I'll breeze through one is I got Scott Pilgrim, the complete edition. Oh, Yes, this came through Limited Run, got a physical copy, because I remember a lot of people saying it was great. My girlfriend loves Scott Pilgrim, so I was like, let me get the game physically, support Limited Run, great company. The online co-op for this game is so broken. It crashes after every level, it lags a ton, it's really bad, and it's only on PlayStation. I believe only PlayStation 5. Someone may need to correct me. I don't know if it's 4 or 5 or just PlayStation in general. It's really, really broken though. I hosted two of my other buddies hosted. Like we tested extensively and, and it came to the point where we're like, we're just not going to play this. Cause I didn't buy it to play by myself. I don't, if I want to play single player, beat them up by myself out in the hallway, I got turtles in time. I'll play that any, any day of the week, any hour of the week. So that was kind of disappointing, but I'm happy to have it in my collection. I know my girlfriend and I will probably play like couch co-op on that. Um, what I've been spending a lot of my hours with this week when I am playing games, is I've been on tabletop simulator and uh, me and the boys have been playing some board games. We've been playing Mansions of Madness. And this has been really fun because some of my buddies haven't played D&D before. And there's some D&D elements here. Not necessarily a Dungeons & Dragons experience, but the dice rolling, the skill checking, those types of things. Interacting with your environment, a story being told. It, it, it's a great introduction, even though it's a little more hardcore because it's a pretty crunchy game. Very Cthulhu-driven. Um mm. And I like it a lot. It, I, it's one of my favorite board games. And so, you know, of course, I have friends like all over all over the planet. So it's just like for us to be like one in Canada, one in Florida, you know, and, and, and all of us just like get together and play a board game online. That's been great. So it's another place I've been spending my hours outside of nice. Mass Effect. Now, Maddie, I know you did a review, so people should go watch that for your full thoughts. But I was disappointed about... um. Necromunda. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't talk about that just because the review is there, but um... I'm just a quick, mm. quick take because I, I actually, usually I don't watch people's reviews because I usually just want to check something out, but I was kind of on the fence. So I, I actually did mean to watch your review. Um, but since I've got you here now, I, the trailers for this game looked very promising. Yeah. And uh, turns out to be kind of mixed. Yeah. There are some people who liked it. My quick take would be that it does live up to the speed reputation of Doom. Like, it's not as fast, but I always talk about a controlled chaos with Doom where it's very chaotic, but you can see what's going on. You can map out your attacks. It's almost like a moving, active combat puzzle. Where with Necromunda, there's not enough enemy types, so it comes across, it kind of plateaus after the first couple of hours. It's very broken on a technical level. Um, it's console versions apparently were very bad. Uh, this is another situation where they've only offered PC codes. 
I need to just state one more time. I didn't give it a passing review, by the way, but like, I need to say one more time for people like this is super common and there needs to be more pushback. Cause I, as a, at least as a content creator, I'm typically offered only one code, if anything, not entitled, but that's yeah. typically what occurs. Um, so if you know, people want pushback and information, there needs to be more vocalization there, but that aside, not good technically. Like I'm talking monster closets. Like I would be in boss fights and oh. enemies would be dropping right in front of me. And some of these enemies don't take there. Th- this is where the enemy design falters. Cause there's not like a quick way. Like, Oh, it's this enemy. Let me do this. Take them out quickly. Like a doom or whatever. Can't really do that. So what happens is it really stumbles upon itself where there is a pretty decent framework here. Um, and the other last thing I'll say in this quick take is the weapon loot is a really cool idea. Helps separate itself from Doom. But what's awesome about Doom is you'll have different weapons that are great for different enemies. Mm. This game, you'll get a cool weapon that you want to use, but it's weaker because it's not upgraded. It's not tinkered with. It's not a, a good rarity tier. So you'll get this cool weapon, but you'll be stuck using your pistol because that's statistically better. It's one of those rare moments where you see the stats for a game really hurt the gameplay experience where I, everyone knows I'm like an RPG guy. Like I love the progression and the stats of anything and and tinkering. I think it hurts the game here. I think they would have not even just because Doom exists. I just think the game would have been better off if they allowed you to have your pistol target this enemy, have your assault rifle target this enemy. Instead, you're just like using one, two weapons throughout most of the game and not really cycling much and, once again, enemy design hurts there too. So avoid this one for now. Deep avoid sale. It. Deep sale. Damn. 20, 25, 30. Okay. Deep, th- actually, 30 is not deep. Sorry. About $25. That was where I put it. Okay. All right, Dustin. It's the time to get into our E3 predictions. Let's, let's fucking go. Let's All do right. it. I'm, I'm ready. All right. Perfect. Um, so this one is going to be more freeform this time around, because of course we're a general gaming show. We like to talk everything from Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo. There's a 2k show. There's a Ubisoft show. It's a lot going on in the coming week. Like we said, I want to remind the audience once more, we'll be co-streaming this in, in what capacity, whether it's together or separately, we're not sure yet, but just want to throw that out there one more time. So Dustin. Do you want to start with um, PlayStation, Xbox, Nintendo, 2K, well, Ubisoft? Let's just – I wrote down so just a random assortment of thoughts. Beautiful. Don't, we'll there's, no, there's no organization here at all. This is just what came to mind. Let's talk about Nintendo okay. first. Cool. Now, here's the thing. In their tweet, they said they were mo- mostly focusing on software for 2021. Uh, and I think another thing that's important to say is, dude, whatever's going on with the Switch Pro right now, like, oh my God. we were seeing people like retailers supposedly have it in their system, and people were like, any, you know, any moment it could drop. <laughs> Some people were saying they wanted to get it out and announce it before E3. So, who knows? The the Switch Pro could be announced by the time you're listening to this. So, just understand that yeah. as a caveat of anything we say about Nintendo right now. Imagine it drops as someone is listening because I was thinking about on Sacred, you guys were talking about people yawning and mm. how like you'd make other people yawn in that segment and I actually yawned. <laughs> oh, dude, we got so many comments. About I that, actually, yawned. that was pretty funny. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Go on. So, 
there's two important games that we need to at least lightly discuss. Mm-hmm. And that is Bayonetta 3 and Metroid Prime 4. Ah. I think that, particularly with Bayo, we need to see this game at this point, or else I'm like, it's not happening. Mm-hmm. It's 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 one of those like revealed and then canceled or something because it's just been too long. People talk about El- oh Elden Ring is it actually happening? Uh, no. When okay when was that? Ba- let's see Bayonetta three announcement. I think that was 2018. I 2017. Say. Jesus Christ, that was their if there's a game year. that doesn't exist, then it's Bayonetta three. It's not Elden Ring. Elden Ring was much more recent when yeah. that announced. That was 20. Well, maybe not as recent as I thought. It's 2019. 2019. Okay, but still. Yeah, I mean, that's... Mm. that's more recent. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. I feel like if we don't see Bayonetta 3, then something is, like, majorly up. Because it's just, like, come on. What's going on here with this game? I agree. I I um. Are you saying you think it's going to be there? Or are you saying, like, if it's not here, it's hit the panic button now? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I right. I don't know. I mean, Platinum right now is not. I mean, they're a, they've done multiple projects at the same time before, mm-hmm. but the there's already being a being you know some emphasis on Babylon's Fall. I was about to is, say that. Isn't that so weird? So I don't know. Platinum Platinum's in a weird spot right now because they were talking about how they really wanted to start publishing. Like, they published Wonderful 101 on their own, and so I think that's something they're clearly interested in, but I don't know if they have the capital to quite do that yet, or maybe they just want to fulfill their existing obligations. Right. Um, yeah. but, or, or maybe, mm. it's a, maybe they want to do a bit of both. Like, they can, they can do their, their moneymakers, like, get a lot of money from doing Babylon's Fall or whatever. Um I don't know. Maybe I sound like an idiot. I don't know as much about the whole publishing, what it's like for a developer to go from, you know, being a third-party publisher to a lot of different companies and to being their own publisher of their own stuff. Mm-hmm. So, but I imagine either it's a way, bit of a free fall, just to, to put it lightly. Yeah. So either way, okay, and then let's talk about Metroid Prime. Um, we know this game got restarted, yes. right? When I'm trying to remember when that announcement was, Metroid Prime, or oh, four a year later, because um they were yeah because Nintendo had had actually announced that which was kind of surprising. I, I like the transparency though. I thought it was great. Just oh like, yeah, hey, this is this is what's actually happening. So when it disappears, they didn't do that with Bayonetta three, which with ba- not to pull us off of that conversation, but just I wanted to add on that like. With Babylon's Fall being shown, they released Astral Chain. They released Wonderful 101 again. Near Automata even, right? Because you said 2017. So Near Automata, mm. I think, was a 2017 game. So it's, I think Bayonetta is a candidate of uh, as a title that, that got like restarted. Um, yeah. And so well, I think if Babylon's Fall is being shown off this year, then there's no, I can't imagine Bayonetta is being shown. Although I wouldn't complain if I got a Platinum Games double whammy. I'd be the first yeah. to scream at the top of my lungs over that. Holy shit. I may be wrong about Metroid Prime because I'm looking at the timeline now. Uh, it's Let's see. January 2019. 
Nintendo EPD general manager announced that the development of Metroid Prime 4 had restarted under Retro Studios. So that was January 2019. Okay. In October 2020, Retro posted a job advertisement seeking storyboard artists. Yeah, we're not Ooh. seeing. We're not seeing Metroid Prime 4. Yeah. That's definitely not happening. Um, so I take that back of my own. I, it, it's interesting to bring up, at least. One prediction I do have that doesn't pertain to E3. I think that they have the Metroid Prime collection ready. And they are just, like, holding it in order to release it somewhere between just 6 to 12 months before Metroid Prime 4 comes out. Double whammy. They can make $60 on those three games that they poured over. They'll make another 60 when people buy Metroid Prime 4. Um, yeah. And again, comes up again. That's synergy, Maddie. Yeah. It's synergy. It's Corporate synergy. It's very important. Yeah, I, I remember seeing a rumor for a 2D Metroid this year or something like that. I feel like something Metroid has to happen, right? I think Nintendo has to be self-aware enough to go, you know, we're kind of leaving this thing dormant. It, it's practically dead. Everything else under our umbrella has really seen an entry. Nothing for Metroid, though. I think you do something for that series. It's funny, though. I remember, um, I think it was Call of Duty 4 Remastered was what they were sitting on when it came to Activision, where that had been done for about two years, and they were just waiting to release it. might have been MW2 campaign or something like that. Call of Duty was sitting on some type of remaster, and I just find it so fascinating. I get why these companies do it, but imagine the finished products for remasters that are just sitting there waiting for their time, and some that never see the light of day. I've heard of one that's oh. waiting for its time. What? Persona 3. Really? And 4, actually. Well, 4 is already kind of out, Yeah, but uh, I've heard that those are are pretty... Pretty much, I mean, the, especially the PS4 version of Persona 4 Golden, I've heard, is ready to go there. for yeah. PlayStation. Yeah. Like, and it won't be, it's not a remaster, but it's like that PC version over to PS4, which is like all people want, really. I'd be um, happy with that. <laughs> but I've heard that that for Persona 4 and Persona 3. Don't so the scoop. It's not really my scoop, because it was said on a podcast from, uh, uh, when I was on the Shin Megami Tensei Network. So I don't know if just no one's listening to that show, but shout out uh, okay. to that show. Because we discussed that on there. And he was pretty confident. I don't know. Maybe he's not reliable. I'm that was His name is uh, Spencer, I believe. Let me make sure. But I've, that's what... Oh, yeah. Spencer Presley. He's the one who runs that show. But that's he seems pretty confident about that. So um, that would be cool. I'd Speaking love... Of, uh... Little Persona and SMT. I just want to throw out oh, there that yeah. SMT five had its release date leaked November. November, mm -hmm. dude. I was gonna put this one of my predictions. I was gonna be like, yeah, we're gonna see SMT five. Like they've they they. I remember Atlas promising earlier this year, you're gonna learn more about this game. It's been since 2017. This was one of those games that was revealed alongside the Switch, um, and it looks like there was a slip up on the SMT website where we got some story details, some screenshots. They're apparently cutting down the demon count from 400 to 200. So a little bit uh -oh. of Pokemon sword and shield action there. Here's the thing though. Is that's okay. If they do what Pokemon sword and shield didn't sword and shield. Sorry. It did look like a DS game. I hate to tell people that. And I, I like that's not saying it's a bad game. You can think it's good. I think it's not that great, but sword and shield was underwhelming in every sense of the word. 
that's why I think so many people honed in on the Pokédex thing because it was like a number one easy target. With SMT, I will give them the benefit of the doubt that with the Switch, I hope they will make it look better in the last entry on the DS, or 3DS, I'm sorry, uh, which I think was called Apocalypse. So I will give them the benefit of the doubt here for now, but that game is coming out this year. That was one of my predictions, so I, I had to scratch that off my list, Dustin, but there are, you you, are you interested in this one as a Persona fan? I'm definitely interested, uh, for sure. I don't know much. I, I, uh, it's funny when I was on that uh, Shin Megami Tensei network, I was like, I, I don't know if you want me here. I'm like, I like a few Persona games and Catherine, um, but I'm kind of a poser. <laughs> I feel like one, so I'm definitely interested in checking it out. Uh, I was very disappointed to hear that that remaster of what is Nocturne. it called? Nocturne was not good. So. Yeah. Yeah, not good and overpriced. So, well, dude, I, I, Atlas has done this this deluxe edition. Sorry, I've cut you off twice now, but like they've good? done this this deluxe edition where they're like pre-order it and you get it four days early. They did the same shit with Strikers. I'm like, geez, please stop. This is not 2013. Like they, that's when we saw that type of stuff. This pre-order for early access crap. I hate it. Mm -hmm. But Maddie, yeah. I am confident that Breath of the Wild two this year. Oh, like it releases this year. I think it's coming out this year. Bro, you just put your dick on the table right there. Good. good I might Lord. be wrong. I think it's just like... I feel like if the Switch Pro is happening, it's the perfect thing to bundle with it. Mm -hmm. Which, though, I mean, some of those rumors about Switch Pro said they want to put the console out in September. Which, I don't really see that happening. I would think that they would announce Switch Pro now. Why release it in September? They can wait and build up a stockpile so there's hopefully enough units right now with the whole shortage going on. Um, but I, I don't know. To me, I know that some people will be like, well, think, well, let's think about it this way. Breath of the Wild came out in 2017, and that would be uh, three, four years ago now, mm -hmm. right? My timing right? Uh, 2017, so four years ago. Yep. A little bit more four than four years, years ago because it's June. It came out in March. Right. So, hmm. I feel like the Breath of the Wild, they did say the sequel to Breath of the Wild, specifically, not the next Legend of Zelda. I feel like there's kind of a distinction that we can expect this game to be more of like a Majora's Mask in that not, not that it's... that. It, in that it's a direct sequel to a Zelda game, and it's built on the foundation of mm -hmm. the previous. So I think it that sounds good. Requires less development time. At least that's what I would think. Is that they're like, I okay, think, we have, yeah, we've got a great base here. We don't need to throw out and completely restart like they do for a lot of, you know, Zelda projects. So, uh, you know, that would require less dev time. That makes me wonder. I'm like. Is it possible that the this new Zelda game takes place on the same map? I'm okay with that. Some people don't like that idea. If it's more Majora's Mask like with I mean even in gameplay like the timer and stuff um and it I wouldn't of, want that. I don't know if I would want that either. I don't think that would work well for an open world space, but if it sort of has this if there's another layer, right? That's what I I don't know why I envision that. Not multi-dimensional, but if there's another layer to this map where it isn't so familiar or there's a time lapse where 
there's like maybe two maps. You go back to the old map and you can see how things have oh. changed. And then there's a new one. Like, I don't know. Like that's mm. something that would be kind of interesting to me. Um, I, I don't find it super compelling if they throw you back in the old map. Now, if it's the old map space, Ubisoft did this with Far Cry Primal where they, I think, took Far Cry 4's map and then, like, designed over that. I'm sorry, but as stupid as it was when you read it, I don't – I reviewed Primal, and for all the ribbing I give Carrick about liking it, it was not to me recognizable as Far Cry 4 or if it's vice versa. Either way, right. I, couldn't, I couldn't tell. Um, so it is common for, for devs to kind of rebuild in the same – I shouldn't say common. It's happened before where devs have, have rebuilt in that same space. And that's what game development's all about, like reusing your assets and, and not just scrapping and restarting. Otherwise, development would take a while. We wouldn't be seeing Breath of the Wild 2 until like 2024 or something. You know, So right. I, I think I think your prediction's fair. I think with the, the pipeline that's been created and the tool sets that are there, I think also this would make sense with the Switch Pro, right? If they've there was the rumor with the switch pro that they were going to make kind of like the new 3ds. Like this game only runs on switch pro. Mm, I don't think they'll do see, that. I would love to see them try that, but you're right. That's, that's a little Ooh. too much money to leave on the, there's on the too table. much install base. Yeah. yeah, I get it. I agree. Yeah. Hmm. I think that, I mean, I'm guessing that they want it to be like you like say it without saying it. Like you want to play this on switch Pro. Like you don't, you don't want to play this yeah. on your stinky old switch. Yeah. 720p. You want to play it on Switch Pro with DLSS 4K or whatever. Yeah. I don't know if it'll be that, but you know, um, I just, I don't know. I have a good feeling about that. I'm very excited. Let's see what else I got here. Let's go. I so, like ripping off your list here, so keep going. Well, it's. I wish it was more extensive, but it's... That's fine. I, can, I don't have a lot. I can carry the load after that. What do we think about new backwards com- compatibility? Or we'll just say older games to switch just because this is something Nintendo has done with 3DS where they were like, Hey, the new 3DS can play super Nintendo games, Mm -hmm. which we all know was the dumbest thing. We all knew that the three, the regular 3DS could play super Nintendo games, but they put that chip out there anyway. So you got to wonder so many people have wanted select either Nintendo 64 or GameCube games. What if they're like, hey, uh, the new Nintendo Switch, the Super Switch, whatever, uh, has... No, dude, they can't do that. Imagine mm. if they did that. Well, okay, let's throw that out. Let's not say exclusivity. Okay. Is it possible that now... we, Dude, remember before the Switch came out, there were strong rumors that they were like this thing will be able to ha- will have strong ability to play download gamecube games yes i do remember like the virtual console was a huge part of it in some way i don't remember the exact context of it but yeah i, I yeah. do know virtual console was a thing i don't i think nintendo could do it and part of that's because we saw with mario collection the mario 3d all-stars i believe that people were saying that sunshine was being emulated which would open up opportunities for future games so if that is the case there's clearly the potential for the console to do that maybe they were tapping into that more so than the actual backwards compatibility the reason i say that is because i think it's possible i don't trust nintendo to be kicking down the door saying come play all your old stuff because they know there's this value this huge 
price tag on their games. Like if you look up old Pokemon games, old Mario games, like all their old exclusives on eBay and stuff, they go for so much now because there's just this they never depreciate. <laughs> they just they go up and up and up. Here's what I would expect for GameCube. All right. That they would say something like, We're introducing a new line of GameCube selects. Okay. And they are twenty to thirty dollars a piece. And they give it the same very light treatment that the Mario games got. So like uh here's Luigi's Mansion. It's running in widescreen mm-hmm. and we've up-resed it and here you go. It's not anywhere near a remaster, but it's better than playing on a GameCube. Here, pay us twenty to thirty dollars. <laughs> like it won't be <laughs> what we want, but it will work. It'll be, the thing. It'll be serviceable. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know, maybe not. That's I'm just kind of like I'm I'm doing the, the Mr. Matty plays. I was gonna say dude, like this speculate. Do not feel uncomfortable. My audience has adjusted. They know what to expect here. They know when I put predictions in the title, dude, you're going to get some crazy shit. So I I love it. Keep going. So, okay, here, what else we got here? This is just, this is just something I want, Maddie. This is not a prediction. Just something I want. Please. Bring back WarioWare. WarioWare Switch. Let's go. I think it's happening. I think it's happening. There was a survey that, that, is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I had that written down as well because there's a survey for those who don't know that Nintendo asked, would you buy a new entry in the WarioWare series at $50? And I'm like, that is okay. You're making one, clearly. I mean, especially we're talking about the company that just released a Zelda game or is releasing, sorry, Zelda Skyward Sword for $60 on their Switch. I find it hilarious that they're like, let's ask about this one. Let's see what people think about this price tag. Still, oddly specific, something's in the works there. I, I would be shocked if it weren't. I'd be very, yeah. very surprised. I've, dude, I've, I've always loved WarioWare. They're fun, cute little games. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to see a new one. Or Rhythm Heaven, honestly. That would be sweet, too. But, yeah, so I want that. The other thing... Okay. I wrote here, Maddie, is – oh, okay, wait. Hold on. Before I go with what I wrote, I was thinking something. Nintendo, it's the anniversary, the Zelda 35th anniversary. And so far, they have celebrated with uh, the remaster of Skyward Sword for $60 <laughs> and um, an amiibo <laughs> that unlocks Sorry. fast travel. I fucking hate them. Sorry, keep going. <laughs> oh, me, dude, I, I fucking hate Nintendo. Yeah, yeah I see my Super Metroid poster on the wall there. Um, I have Stockholm syndrome with Nintendo, but I'm wondering, you know, are they going to celebrate? That's the other reason why Breath of the Wild two I think could come out this year. Mm-hmm. Is they're like it's the year of Zelda. We got you. This shitty <laughs> here pay us 60 dollars. we've got the new zelda breath of the wild i'm cool with that yeah is there anything else that they could do no. uh with that no nope. no i i think nope i think that's it i think people's expectations are way too high for what nintendo's gonna deliver for an anniversary because they took their fucking mascot and released like one of the laziest ports i've seen in my life man 
with with the All Star collection. I bought it. I bought it. All right. Me too. Uh, just like like Dustin says, I, I I'll bitch up a storm here. I bought it. Don't Dude, take me seriously. Oh, well, here's the thing. We all bought it. Tons of people bought it. What if they instead of a trilogy of games if it's dude they've already got uh wind waker in hd they've already got uh twilight princess no. to pack that shit that's another 60 dollars nintendo no, says come on give us money Zelda. why would you sell that separately not like i'm talking to you but like why would they ever mm. sell that separately you know what I mean? maybe like... they wouldn't i would buy it for twilight princess i love twilight princess i'll, I'll make that mm. clear like i would buy it for that but Man, no, I don't. I don't think they're doing shit for Zelda outside of maybe Breath of the Wild too. Like I could see. I think we're gonna see Breath of the Wild too. I don't think we're gonna. I don't. I don't know. I think you make a compelling theory, but for me, it's the Switch Pro. Like they're like we're doing it on the Switch Pro. I'm like, all right, I can believe that. Like that's a testament to the power of the Switch Pro. Maybe like that's your showcase. Yeah. Hmm. Mm. I got a couple of Nintendo things I want to throw out there. Go for it. First one. Bold prediction. Master Chief and Smash, this showcase. It's fucking happening. Let's go. It's fucking happening. I feel this is where you're going to start to see the the relationship between Nintendo and Xbox percolate. If you listen to Defining Duke Ultimate, I said a very small tinge of this. But I want to tap into it more here. A lot of people talk about what can Xbox give Nintendo. I think they're going to give them Halo, right? I think it's going to be like, hey, Master Chief Collection, it's, it's coming to the Switch. I think they're going to hit them with Master Chief and Smash. Like, I think there's going to be that right there. Right? We've already seen a little bit of that, you know, Banjo Kazooie and Smash. I think they're going to hit hard. Like we're getting near the end of what's happening with Smash Bros. and its DLC as they Isn't move the on. One fighter left, or is there two? I thought there was two, but I'm not. Let me look. Double check that for me. Either way, I'm saying Chief and Smash because if they do it before the final fighter, then it's like holy fuck, who is the final fighter? If they don't, and it is the final fighter, I still think it's like there's two left. There is two, two left. left. God damn. So either way, I still believe like they're going to go for it because here's what this pulls into Xbox territory a little bit. We'll get to that soon, but I need to say it now. A lot of people talk about what can Xbox give Nintendo? Nintendo fans are eaters, right? They feast. They love to take everyone's things. The bully on the playground. I think and then they demand more. I think Xbox is the, the is the kid that's been lifted and punches the bully right in the fucking face. They're going to say, give us one of your games, Nintendo. So. I think there are some games that are on the on the plate here that could be brought to Xbox without question. We've already seen it happen once. Octopath Traveler went to PC, went to Xbox, was helped published by Nintendo. I get it. Square on Games. Xbox? It's on Xbox now. But it, when you roll the credits, does it say Nintendo? I actually don't know. I haven't rolled cuz I'm wondering what there. the deal is. What the what, like that not the not what's the not like what's the deal? Like what's the literal business deal I behind that know. game? That's a good question. I would have to imagine they're in the credits in some way. Mm. Um what I'm thinking is Xbox grabs one of Astral Chain because that Ooh. game is really good and I think its controller layout was not Switch exclusive. I think they maybe grab Ultimate Alliance 3. I don't know why that still needs to sit on Switch. Although, by the way, as a Switch owner and someone who understands like the notion of good exclusives keeping you in the system, great get by Nintendo. But that game was a little bit hampered technically, I think, by um, by the uh, Switch. And I and with all the DLC and post-launch content support they've done, um, I think this is a great fit. And then my big baller pick, the Dustin Furman Dick big on balls. Table special, is Mario and Rabbids. 
I, I am a believer that, yes, it is Mario, but you've got rabbits there. It's published by Ubisoft. I think you can work a deal out there to find a way to get this there. But my point being is my more vague, I can have a I told you so moment guess, is I think that Xbox is going to get something back. I really do think they're going to get something back. I think Xbox benefits by, like, if they... They get something back if Game Pass comes to Switch. But I don't know if it's really going to go that far. So I genuinely believe, like, yeah, they're. I think if they're going to do a game-by-game game deal, Xbox is going to take a little bit of something. Nintendo is going to get a little something. Like, Dustin, mm. it's got to happen, man. This is it. This is all those Switches in the background have amounted to this moment right here. Am I insane? I don't think you're insane. I okay. Okay. There's... I mean, here's what I always think about this is that where there's smoke, there's fire. And there has been smoke for the past year around Microsoft and Nintendo in one way or another. I I do not think you're going to see Mario on the Xbox. (laughs) I think that that's a step too far. But I'm off the deep end. (laughs) Dude, Astral Chain on Xbox, that would be so fucking good. Because honestly, Maddie. It should be illegal to have platinum games at 30 FPS. It just should be. I'm sorry. Yes. That's I'll, what drove me away yes. from that game. I understand that. I was that. like, I know that this game is good. Dude. I hate playing it on the Switch. Bro. Bro. I, I bought it, Maddie. tell you. I played it. I would scream into this microphone until the fucking thing broke on people having to play Astral Chain if that shit left Nintendo Switch. I I don't push it that much anymore because I feel like I've lost that battle. We've had so many guests cycle on this show, and everyone's like, yeah, it was all right. It was good. It was fine. I have friends. It was solid. I didn't really finish it. And I'm just like, man, I didn't I've met it. two people now. I've met two people now. Rob, Rule 2 Review, and Brett, who joined me. Uh, he's from Nintendoosius. He joined me for Duke Ultimate. Only two people I've met since the game came out in 2019 that actually fucking liked and finished Astral Chain and thought it was dope. My other Nintendo prediction, Donkey Kong. I saw rumors of this, so it spawned it in my head, so I can't take credit for this, but I saw people saying online that a 3D Donkey Kong game could possibly show up. I don't know much about it, but all I saw was that, and I love Donkey Kong 64. So I was very sold on the premise of another thing like that. You know, the the Tropical Freeze Donkey Kong and these side-scrolling ones, I know that's where they started, but I was, like, very much enamored with Donkey Kong in 3D. I don't know why they never went back to that formula. And so I would love to see them do that again. That's more of a desire than a prediction. Hmm. I've heard I heard that rumor about the Mario Odyssey team making Donkey Kong. Dude, um, fuck yeah, that sounds amazing. <laughs> I don't. I like Donkey Kong, and I don't. I find him. He's on your fucking shirt. Bro. I mean, I I mean the more modern <laughs> Donkey Kong. Like I'm thinking of Donkey Kong 64. Okay. Okay. This is this is classic, Maddie. You picked the wrong shirt to wear today, <laughs> Maddie. What? What? I'm, I'm gonna fuck you, not <laughs> not in a nice way. You hear me? I hear you, bro. Don't, don't Go you on. Call me out for the shirt, bro. Look, I'm wearing I'm wearing my Rangers gear. Come on now. <laughs> Sports. Yeah. Um. No, but here's the thing. Like, when I think of, okay, let's say Donkey Kong Country, Donkey Kong, because that was a that was what with the the origin of modern, who Donkey Kong is, right? Yeah. 
I just, I don't know. I, um... Also, not a big fan of Mario, or of uh, Donkey Kong 64, but that's okay. That's fine. I'll allow it. I think, actually, here's the thing, Maddie. I think I've boiled this down. It's not that I don't like Donkey Kong, which I know I just said I didn't, but I'm mm. thinking about that. I'm trying to be think about this deeply. And also still, Please. fuck you, Maddie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I just don't... I When I hear Donkey Kong game from the Mario Odyssey team, I think... Fuck, I'd rather them make a Mario game. Oh, oh, perish the thought, my good friend. Please, please. Another Odyssey? Is that what you want? Yes. <laughs> dude, come on. Mario's had one, his dude, fun. He's had Odyssey his fun. 2 or, or just the, the next mainline Mario game. That's what I want. Mario is king. Mario is better than Donkey Kong. He's better than Zelda. He's oh. better than Splatoon. He's better. Yeah, Splatoon, Mario is the king. Yeah, Splatoon can go fuck itself. Let's, let's be Dude, Maddie, yeah. you don't say that. They're doing Dude. a third entry of it, man. There's so many things that they could be picking up, and they're like, let's do a third Splatoon. I'm like, wow. I do wow, feel like it's a little man. soon. Wow. A little soon. I couldn't get my Nice Zero Republic 3, and you're telling me that some fucking little kid's getting Splatoon 3 already? Give me a break. That's disgusting. I don't like that. I don't like that at all. Yeah, I agree. Um, I can agree with that. On the Nintendo front, anything else? Or I mean, we've sort of melted Um, Xbox into it, but... mm, Wait, hold on. Let me bring my notes back up. I wrote Mario Odyssey 2, you bitch. That's what I was going to (laughs) say. But I I don't think they're going to do that right now. Well, I mean, when Switch came out, they were doing Zelda and Mario at the same time. They needed to, though, because out of coming off of the Wii U. I have a prediction. That just okay. hit me. I didn't write okay. it down, but it just hit me because I looked in my camera and you see like right on. I got to like get my finger just right. Like right. The the Mega Man helmet all the way to the okay. edge of my camera. Yes. I saw it and I was like, oh, shit. Mega Man Battle Network and Star Force Collection on Switch. This was oh. a Game Boy Advance and DS series. It was fantastic. I own all of them complete in box. I adore this era of Mega Man. There was a Capcom leak which suggested something Mega Man was coming within the next year. Okay. And as a diehard Mega Man fan, I know that there's only one collection missing. They have the Legacy Collection, which, you know, Colin likes those Legacy games. There's the X Collection. I love X. That's my series. You've got the Zero Collection. There is nothing for Battle Network or Star Force. I think they that Nintendo's the right place to announce this at, at a direct I just wanted to throw it out there. Apologies, Dustin. You were you were going on about oh. your Mario Odyssey poo. Get it instead wow. too. Wow. The disrespect. Um, let me think here. I'm just trying to think if there's any other random Nintendo stuff. I dude, it's so funny with Nintendo. Uh, just because people throw out a million things on Twitter or whatever. I saw people that were like, "It's time for Mario Kart 9. It's like, nah. Selling a little too Honestly, (laughs) I think that Mario Kart 8 is the Mario Kart game on Switch. Like, I think that they're not. Dude, it's so good. And I know that it was originally released on Wii U, but uh, it doesn't feel like the Wii U's Mario Kart. It feels like the Switch's Mario Kart. I agree entirely. And I would like to see a new one. I would be all over it. I've played that game a lot. Uh, But. 
I, if I'm them, I just don't see it being time. Like, there's no need. It was like a top. I think it was like a top three seller, like month over month, man. Like, it's just been in the talks constantly. It's so good. It's just an easy sell. One last thing, Maddie. Okay. What do you think about Pikmin Four? I have no opinions or thoughts, good or bad, on Pikmin. I know nothing about it. And I think that I, the, uh, Pikmin Three, right? They brought that back. I think. Yeah they they pushed Pikmin. Um, they pushed Pikmin 3 from the Switch, or from the Wii U over to the Switch. Okay. Now, here's a Eurogamer article from 2015. Pikmin 4 in development and very close to completion, which <laughs> Eurogamer is pretty good mm-hmm. about their sources and their, their leaks and stuff like that. Oh, wait, no, 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 hold on. Let me read some of this. Pikmin 4 is in development and very close to completion. Nintendo's Shigeru Miyamoto has exclusively confirmed to Eurogamer. Speaking during the interview held back in July, Nintendo's top designer revealed that work on a fourth major Pikmin game was well underway. Quote, it's actually very close to completion, Miyamoto said. Uh, Quote, Pikmin teams are working on the next one. Huh. I forgot about that. Isn't that amazing? So something something happened there. Isn't that something, man? Dude, Miyamoto, I feel bad for him. He's kind of had a rough go of it with the games that he's really... Uh, I'm trying to think of what games has he actually recently been the lead designer on. Was he? Because the, the last one, one was one Star Fox. Who was the one who passed? Um... um I'm not Iwata? That's that's who it was. Thank you. Yeah. I couldn't remember. I thought I thought you were mixing it up. I was like, wait, hold on, Dustin. Pause that for a sec. Yeah. All right. Yeah. What what has he released recently? So, okay. I'm looking at his wait, unlike the two thousands, Miyamoto's activities and development were less pronounced in that decade from twenty eleven to present, with Miyamoto only producing Luigi's Dark Moon and Star Fox Zero. Um, and all the other stuff, he's been credited as general producer, executive producer, and supervisor. Hmm. Right now, he's working as a producer on the Super Mario movie, and he was heavily involved in the design and construction of the Super Nintendo World theme park. So he's not even... It, I feel That's bad. Fun. His last things were like, you know, Star Fox Zero, which was not great. basically a failure in a lot of ways. So disappointing obviously he's a uh, very talented he's an og he's the og indeed so manny let's talk about a different brand yeah let's talk about xbox sure here's the uh, thing about xbox right. do they have any surprises left um because i feel like, like they've got so much shit already announced that we're just waiting to hear more about like so much stuff you could probably yeah. list what seven to ten games right now that we already know about mm-hmm. which i mean mm-hmm. they've got a fuck ton of studios now so it makes sense but it's interesting because like, they're kind of handcuffed for their next e3 because it creates that same expectation again and certain games are going to show off this e3 probably won't be out before the next one you know i'm talking if they show an update on avowed it's gonna be like all right we saw what avowed looked like and then come E3 2022, I, I can guarantee Avowed won't be out. And it's like, well, we're going to see Avowed again. Um, 
I don't know how many times they want to show the games, right? Like in that particular example. Um, I think the surprises they can bring within their own studios are pretty limited. Like one I wrote down is the Outer Worlds 2 because I had heard as much. Like there's a chance it's there. And I think that would be a pretty big surprise for people because Obsidian Obsidian is showing shades, not in the terms of like output and quality. I, I said this on Defining Duke, but they're showing shades of Insomniac of like we're doing all these things. And like it's very exciting for the fan base and the and the and the console owners um that they're a part of because they're like they you know with the outer worlds i think they want a lot of people over in the in the sense of like hey we we bug stomped like we actually can release Mm -hmm. something that's not completely buggy and um now you can see them with a budget same thing with in exile i think in exile can surprise people because we know what wasteland 3 is not super popular and marketable but now they're working on this first person shooting rpg and it's like yeah like they came out and announced that that could be like an internal surprise I think the big surprise is really going to come through their third-party exclusivity deals. There's two mm. out there that are pretty well known. Um, one is um, uh, Project Dragon, which is IO Interactive. Uh, Windows right. Central Gaming posted a whole write-up about that. Kind of this f- almost han- fantasy hitman game is kind of what the idea is being pitched. And then there's Project Typhoon which is from Avalanche and it's like an open world co-op action game. And there's more details on that that are available. But like I said, I, I said this in my video, I didn't really want to share them cause it's not, I don't feel like, like it's okay. If people know the general, like who's and what's, but like the context of it all, I think should be saved for the reveal. Yeah. But that game does sound exciting. So I think these are things that could show up and surprise people. It's also going to be very interesting because of Game Pass, how they handle their announcements. You know, certain announcements may be more exciting if they start the show going, every game you see here is going to be on Game Pass. Then you just have that in the back of your mind as the entire show rolls by. So there's also that factor where you might see a general third-party game that looks okay, and you're like, well, that's great. I can just download that when it comes out. Um, Sorry, I didn't mean to, to ramble beyond your original point, but... There's just a lot to say about Xbox. I think they're going to be the most interesting one to watch. I think Nintendo will probably be the most exciting, but I think Xbox will be the most interesting for sure. Mm, right. Yeah. I'm thinking of like what other off the wall possibilities. I know that Rare is working on that Everwild game, mm-hmm. but I don't know what the what the scope of that game is. It didn't really feel like it's necessarily like this huge project like maybe it's they have other stuff which i'm like man you want to you want a banger make a new make banjo 3 do yeah. it cowards fucking do it it's conquer. it's such an easy win I like know. i don't know ugh. yeah it just dude, if they called is... it banjo 3 and just ignored that nuts and bolts ever existed <laughs> man what's really interesting is that game is I made the bold prediction on Defining Duke that, like, hey, you know, I, I think this will be here. It's time to learn about it. I was told otherwise afterwards. Uh, not by my host, by the way. I was told otherwise by sources. Like, don't expect it there. Don't so, expect Banjo. That's not Banjo, I'm... sorry. Everwild. Everwild. Oh, Everwild. Yeah. Which I was like, damn, man. Like, I want to know what this is. Um, same thing I felt with, with Hellblade. It's like these games are way further off, man. And it sucks. It sucks to hear for sure. Yeah. But like I for me I think the thing about Xbox is that like I don't know there's a lot riding 
on this conference. Um, I agree. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot. I, I don't know. Maybe that doesn't mean anything, but it's just like they've got a lot of eyes on them because they've really proven the Series X as being a very capable device that a lot of people are really liking because mm-hmm. of Game Pass and a lot of PlayStation owners that have been hearing about Game Pass and maybe are interested in yeah. that. And I have been openly very critical. I mean, I I know the meme and the joke of, oh, Xbox has no games. And while I say that's broadly not true, it is partially true right now. Like, yeah. as far as Xbox first-party games for the Series X. Mm-hmm. Like, so people are going to be watching this conference. They're like, what what are the games from, from Microsoft um, to get? Yeah. That's why and, I said I think third party is going to be it because you can't hustle your, your first party. So it's got to be like just break out the checkbook if you need to like prove to people in this half a year. Like you're going to see Forza Horizon 5. You're going to see Halo, probably Age of Empires. I'm sure they'll put a date on. Psychonauts is from one of their studios, but it's not like a, a exclusive game. So it doesn't really – I don't want to say it doesn't count, but they're not going to generate this shit ton of revenue from it. I don't anticipate. So – you know, it's like, yeah, if I'm them, you break out the checkbook for at least one game this fall. I I would yeah. say that would be me because I know Horizon is a strong revenue generator. I don't think it's a strong like brand builder though. I think you mm-hmm. make a move like a on a Final Fantasy VII remake level, like get a big game. You know, we're hearing the rumors of Battlefield on Game Pass Day One. That is a pretty big get. That is like a break out the checkbook get. But I also, I don't know, man. Like I I think. That's where I'm wondering if they're going to shift. They're going to stop doing these sort of exclusivity deals and start doing day one Game Pass deals instead. I, yeah. I, I wonder if – because that may be the easier pill to swallow for PR. Like people aren't going to get right. as mad because you, you don't have to buy a console. You can buy the service when streaming and stuff becomes more available. Right. Because I'm like – I'm looking at their, their studios right now, mm-hmm. uh, like a list, and it's like most of them we already – we know what's cooking. 343, Halo, we know that. Coalition, the next Gears. They already talked about Unreal, how they're moving to that. So that's a ways out. Compulsion, that's one we don't know about. What's going on? Double Fine, there's all the rumors about Psychonauts 2, uh, Shadow Drop. Maybe that happens. Uh, The Initiative, Perfect Dark. In Exile, that's a variable we don't know about right now. Mojang, Minecraft, I don't know. I mean, they did Minecraft Builders. Oh, not builders. Oh, dungeons. <laughs> That's the Dragon Quest dungeons. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ninja Theory. We already know about two of their projects. Uh, Obsidian. We know what they're doing. Multiple projects. Playground. Fable. Give me rare. Uh, dude, that Fable game is far out, right? Like, I've heard mixed things, man. Like, I've heard early, uh, uh, late 2022, and then I've heard like 2023 you know, sometime in the first half. So I would say if pandemic things continue to impact, even like though we're getting to a sense of like normalcy, I, Mm -hmm. I would imagine just generally speaking that you, I would say 2023 is a little bit safer. Although it depends where Starfield lands, man, not to carry off your question a little bit further, but I really do think like Xbox doesn't need to pound away like month after month of big open world titles like if you can get starfield fall 2022 and then fable in like spring 2023 it's like fuck yeah 
perfect. But if they both fall in the in the fall area, I think Starfield will come first, and they'll just move Fable back. Game Pass, right. man. It's changing things. So as far as other, I mean, yeah, well, uh, Xbox is, it should be cool. I'm excited. I want to see a lot of updates more than anything. I'm not expecting, like, crazy banger reveals. I want the to be, like, I want to watch that conference and then be like, damn, there's some really good stuff that was a loose idea or a title before, and now it's, like, nice. I want to, dude. I just, I want to be so. I want to be excited for Halo, so badly. <laughs> I, I can't. I, I'm not. I mean, I, I am excited by the idea of Halo, but not for what I've seen currently. So I'm I love the mistake of of starting up a full series playthrough of Halo, with my buddies. Nice. It's, I think yeah. it's a mistake though, because I'm just like, man, I might get a little excited now because mm. like you're reminding yourself of all the reasons why you like Halo. You know, right right now we're in combat evolve and it's like oh this game's so fucking good man obviously that one i'm excited about in particular just because infinite seems to take a lot of inspiration on from uh from from the first ever halo game visually i should say i'm gonna rapid fire some of these last things i wrote down please elden ring will appear will it be released this year no no release date just, I, put, I just put Elden Ring will appear. No release date. Okay. Um, I I don't know. Maybe not. There's This is another where there's smoke, there's fire. We thought like two months ago that there was a possibility that they were going to reveal it out of the blue. Mm-hmm. And then we heard like, and eh, they're deciding they want to play it safe and wait. So I don't know. It's time. I feel like it's really time. They have internal gameplay demos at this point that they've showed off we got that leaked trailer uh yeah it's very rare i think that that. it's been it's been since like like it's been since i think it was harry potter that we saw like a big gameplay trailer kind of leak like that Mm -hmm. i think it's happening i think it's time two pie in the sky things ken levine his game, Ghost Story Games. They've been working on something for literally years now. I would love it for this to be the year that we see whatever that is. That From the ashes of... Let's see. Ghost Story Games. So Ghost Story Games, for the audience out there that doesn't know, Ghost Story Games is the new studio that Ken Levine started kind of from... Basically, they took Irrational Games, really, really, really downscaled it, and started mm-hmm. Ghost Story Games. We had no idea what they're working on. Literally no And problem. I'm trying to remember when they were even created. Founded in 2017, four years ago. So, maybe that's not long enough, but... Well, hold on. On February 18th, 2014, the studio restructured... Levine kept about 15 others uh, with Take-Two to find the position of the other. Okay. Isn't it weird so, that Take-Two is making another Bioshock game underneath a new studio, Cloud Chamber, but Ken is still, I believe, like, within Take-Two is it with Ghost Stories, or Ghost Story just completely yeah. independent. It's like, that's no. so weird to me. Yeah. Um. Let's see. 
The studios, the a rebranding of Irrational Games, as announced in February 2017, hmm. and while still the same business subsidiary under Take Two Interactive. That's that's wild, man. Yeah, pretty weird. The other thing, Maddie, that I'd love to see, Yoko Taro. What's he doing? <laughs> What's his next project? Yeah, I don't even need it to be near three. Like, I just want to know what he's doing surely he's working on something right? right i guess we didn't talk about sony at all um yeah i know you wanted to save yours for sacred symbols yeah i don't they, they're not doing a show so it's just like if you had a game i couldn't think of anything right like i would i would say pie in the sky give me fucking sly cooper back they're suddenly doing funko pops yeah dustin damn dustin i think we'll probably hear from sony maybe in july maybe i think they're gonna wait until all this E3 stuff dies down at this point. They would have, if they were going to do something, I think they would have announced. Yeah. Their, their state of play. Maybe not. They might just be like, fuck you guys. Our state of play is three, four days from now. And it's, you know, huge, yeah. but really they can do whatever they want. Um, so I don't know. Um, the thing for them that I'm just most excited about is this idea of the, uh, the final fantasy, not Ninja Theory, Team Ninja game. Right. That sounds really cool. So, yes. yes, that one is like a really weird combination too. I'm like, hell yeah, that I'd be all over that. So I'm excited to see that one. One of my more pie in the sky, although I don't know if it's super pie in the sky, but I feel like it is. Uh, predictions is new back compact games on Xbox, expanding the library on 360 and original Xbox. The reason why I say it might not be too crazy, there is in that key art they posted on the top left corner, you can sort of see the rings like leading back to the mm. original generation. And I'm looking at it thinking that might just be sort of a call out to their legacy. You can see some years there sort of showing a throwback as well. But when you have Starfield in the bottom left corner and you've got Halo on the top right, I'm thinking these are things that are at the show. So what does that mean? I just can't help but wonder. And so I would love to see, of course, new back and pack games. The dream is Xbox hits the stage and goes, throw your disc in, doesn't matter, it works. That would be a leap above and beyond. I don't even think that's possible just because there's so many licensing deals they'd have to jump through unless they found some new tech workaround. Maybe then kind of like with FPS boost, it's, it's almost this like tricking the system. If they found something like that, where all back combat games could work no matter what, that would be incredible. Um, yeah. But I, I, I hope to see them do this because there isn't like a strong demand, but people are asking about it enough to warrant like a update on it. Cause they've shifted their back combat initiative understandably so to fps boost and you know how do we make these more recent games look better because that's going to sell their console more not the collectors like me who want to play their old 360 and original xbox games there but i think there is something to address and they made it such a big part of their initiative that you know we we carry your games forward kind of want to see them retestify that because it's been since i think 2019 that they've added anything so i think the time is now fire that back up get people excited about the past, present, and future of Xbox. Mm, I like that. Yeah, I hope so. Other than that, I don't. I don't really have any more. 
predictions, so to say. Yeah. It's really those two major shows. The others like Ubisoft, you know, you can kind of already tell what we're going to see. And one of the shows that's that's happening with Take Two um, and 2K, well, we have some news on that, on what to expect there. So we'll leap into that eventually. Is there any more predictions you have? Not really. Um, yeah, I think that's it for now. Perfect. We spent almost an hour on it, so. Right, yeah. It's plenty. All right, let's get into the news a little bit here. We got a couple of things we're going to touch on. First is PlayStation exclusives and sort of this issue with cross-gen support that's cropping up uh, alongside our industry where some people are asking for PlayStation to make more PS5 exclusive games. Um, a lot of this came up through a Q&A posted by PlayStation that they performed with themselves, which I find hilarious, um, where they answered a question internally about is PS4 development uh, a priority still? And they said yes, and they confirmed the likes of Horizon Forbidden West, Gran Turismo 7, and God of War Ragnarok as games that uh, will still be supported on the PS4. What's very interesting is Gran Turismo 7 was originally... I thought I was just misremembering it because I don't pay attention closely to these racing games. It was originally, I think, said to be a PlayStation 5 exclusive, right? And so PlayStation's found themselves... And I don't want to say a sticky situation because I have some more positive thoughts, so to say. Positively skewed thoughts. Um, but it is a scenario where I think mixed messaging has bit them in the ass because what's occurred is previously being said, we believe in generations, kind of the infamous quote for PlayStation now. And since then, we've seen them sort of reverse that and say, well, we're going to support the PS4 and and we're going to keep things around there. And then you see them sort of go in half measures where they are supporting it, but then they'll do instances like hardcore games with Demon Souls Remake or something like Returnal. Um, not that they're bad games, but I wonder if more people would have wanted to see a Horizon exclusively on PS5 compared to those two. Um, so I have some stats I gather, but I want to I want to catch your thoughts first to sort of set up the conversation on PlayStation exclusives. Are you as as a host of Sacred Symbols? Where do you stand on this? I'm upset. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's here's okay. A lot of people are misinterpreting or not understanding why what the justification behind maybe being upset about this is because people say, Oh, what does it matter to you? Um, they'll be better on PS five. And do you have a problem with people with PS fours playing the games? It's like, no, that's not it at all. Let's take a step back here. Okay. Mm-hmm. The Mark Cerny presentation where for like 45 minutes, he explained the, sp- the speed of the SSD Okay, obviously we know from playing PS5 games that it makes things load very fast, which is great for loading screens, whatever. Resident Evil 5, or 5, what the fuck, Resident Evil 8. I wish it was 5. Um, <laughs> 5, dude, yeah. Resident Evil 8, you can see that clearly. Even on a multi-platform game, which is crazy that they did that, is that it loads way faster than even the Series X. But that's cool for the loading, but it goes way beyond the loading. Mark Cerny talked about how game development since PlayStation 2 for you know over a decade now, 
well over a decade, that games had to be designed based around how it loads in its assets. So maybe there's a long corridor. Maybe a level size can only be so big based on what can fit into a game, you know, the RAM of the system or whatever, or how fast the disk can load it. And that's been the case. Especially, even I mean, not especially, but on PS4, if you think about it, it has 8 gigabytes of RAM, and the hard drive is, I'm trying to, I looked it up yesterday when I was on Sacred, uh, hard drive speed PS4 is 100 megabytes a second. Mm. Okay. The PS5's SSD is 5.5 gigabytes a second. This is not a small difference. This is the fucking difference between jogging somewhere and driving a Ferrari at full speed. Mm. Like, literally, it's 50... I think I did the math. What was it? Uh, 55 times faster. Okay. Which a lot of people think about that and they think about loading screens. It's it's so much more than loading screens. And Sony went out of their way to tell everybody how certain games can be designed in a different way on PS5. Thanks to the SSD. A new era of game development. Maybe they didn't say that exactly. But it was presented as such though. It was presented that way. And so... When they say, like, oh, uh, these new God of War. God of War is the one in particular that I'm I'm very curious about. Because it's like, right? it's clearly then compromised in that they're not going to be able to, like, literally from the fucking example that Mark Sarney used, design levels in a way that will only work on the PlayStation 5. Mm-hmm. Now... Something that someone already has accused me of, or some people have accused me of, that's like, well, just because it's not taking full advantage of the PS5 doesn't mean these... Are these games going to be suddenly bad then? Like, I never fucking said these games were going to be bad. In fact, I think they'll be fantastic. Based on the last God of War, the next one is going to be incredible also. I'm very excited about it. And you know what? It's going to be great on PS5. Probably run at 4K, 60 frames per second probably be a huge upgrade from the ps4 version huge but if you care about the the next generation i mean we can use the word generation and what that means and you want to see what games how they can progress and move forward then yes this is disappointing not to say they're never... I mean, Ratchet and Clank, that's kind of going to be an interesting one because that's one that they're saying, hey, Ratchet and Clank can only run on PS5, which is cool. Yeah. But it just... It, it sucks for the people that invested $500 for the next generation and they'll still get these games and that's great. But I'm disappointed that we are we are standing still a little bit when it comes to these games and not potentially taking advantage of what could be. So I, hopefully that's articulate enough. Cause I don't know if I was, some people were kind of confused in what I said in sacred. And I'm like, there's still be good games. There's still going to be great. Most likely. I hope 
and they'll still be better on PS5. But unless Sony was just fucking lying about all the possibilities on the SSD, then it's like they admitted themselves based if we use what they said, then it's like, yeah, these games are not going to be they're not going to be able to take advantage of this new way of being able to design games thanks to the SSD. Yeah. So that was a bit of a long rant. I'm oh, curious what please. you think, whether you are in agreement or whatever. It's like one last thing. Sure. The development thing and talking about the, like, I feel like there's no argument about games being held back by the PS4 in this specific instance. Cause some people bring, will bring up like, Ooh, well, what about PC and scalability? I'm like, that's not even in the same conversation that we're having right now. Um, so, I feel like that's factual. The opinion on whether or not Sony should do it is that's that's totally opinion based. Whether you are like, yes, I'm cool with this, or no, I don't want to do it. You can take my opinion about that, take it or leave it. But the facts about what they Sony said about the PS5 specifically, I really feel like can't be argued with. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, I um. Where do I start? <laughs> uh, so I think people who have been guilted online for – because what happens is it, they'll – I guarantee the number one thing people would want to say back to you right there is I think you argued all your points well. They'd be like, Dustin, you're privileged. Maddie, as a PS5 owner, you're privileged. You know How dare you want your new console to – do the things that uh, that the other console can't do. Don't you want other people to play games? Recognize you're in a blessed position, yada, yada, yada. I understand all that. But what I try to emphasize in my video talking about, and I think it mostly got my point across, was it's okay to be upset about this. Like, you don't have to be screaming, kicking, and crying, but it's okay to be a little bit put off by Sony's inconsistent choices with when they want to commit next gen and when they don't. And I thought it was exciting when you saw, even though I haven't played Returnal, it doesn't look like my kind of thing, but when they went, like, we're going to do this PS5 only, Ratchet, PS5 only, Demon Souls, PS5 only, I'm like, hell yeah, like, this is awesome. For them to take their two biggest IPs and then go in half measures makes sense business-wise, creatively, I think it sucks, and I think that's totally fair for someone to say. What I did some research on was the PS4 generation, you know, 2013 into 14, kind of like what that first year for PlayStation looked like versus now with PlayStation 5 with 2020 into June of 2021. What's been really neat to see is PlayStation is doing really well in getting games out exclusive to PS5, right? You have... um I forgot to mention this in my video, but I believe was Little Big Planet was that or Sackboy was that PS5 exclusive as well, or was nope. that on? It was not. Okay, it's on PS4. Okay, then I didn't forget that one. But there was Astro's Playroom, kind of a dual sense showcase. You had Demon Souls, you had uh, Bug Snacks, you had Returnal, Ratchet and Clank coming soon. Um, Destruction All Stars. Destruction All Stars. So six pretty notable maybe you could throw bug snacks out of the conversation i think that's still six notable titles oh that's also on ps4 yeah apologies toss that out no you're good still five games and then you looked at playstation 4 with its full year leading into october so i where you saw killzone knack 
um, which I still don't believe Knack couldn't have ran on a PS3, but to each their own. Um, Infamous and Drive Club. And I'm sorry, but out of all of those, Killzone, Infamous sound the most alluring. I think PlayStation is actually doing a good job committing to their generation. The issue is that they've messaged poorly, as I kind of led into all this with. They've said one thing, done another, then said another thing, then kind of done it. And when they say, like, oh, we're going to support the PS5, they've kind of – it looks like they've committed in a half measure by taking two of their most popular IP and kind of dialing back and going, we're going to put these on the PS4 as well. So that's why I tell people in here in the show – and on my channel, I'm like, if you are upset, you're not entitled. You're not an asshole. You spend your fucking money on it. And PlayStation said they're going to commit. And they they have in certain instances, which I say in defense of them, where people, man, the responses to my video were amazing. Because there were a lot of people who were like, you know, hats off, Maddie. I think you did a great job here. There were people who were like, you're a fucking fanboy, which I was like, Jesus, really? Unless I'm talking about the Vita, I don't know how I come across this one. And then there were people who were like, you have an agenda, man. Look at the way you talk about Xbox versus PlayStation. I'm like, dude, <laughs> you can't win. And so that's why I, I said it in a tweet. Like, a lot of people thought I was responding to, like, negativity. I was just like, no, I'm just stating my point that, like, I just fire up this camera, this microphone at this point. I have my notes. And I'm like, we just speak our mind. So there's no yeah. bias here. And, like, is it the end of the world? No. But I will always imagine these games in a lens of, hey, what if? Right? What if what if God of War were PS5 only? That's the mm-hmm. most surprising one to me next to Gran Turismo. Horizon, I think I, I internally expected – I don't know if I ever said it, but I definitely internally expected at times it to be a PS4 game. It started development on PS4. So there that's – to me, that's – I get it on that one. Yeah. God of War, on the other hand, to me, that signaled – once again, is this my own fault for thinking it? Yes. To me, that signal is like this is our first kind of like next to Ratchet. Like this is our first huge kind of punch. Like this is our like, like I don't know if I'm finding the words properly here, but this is the time to say like this is our next gen game. This is our big next gen game. Like you're a year into the life cycle now, year and a half. We've had some time with it. This is where you start to see the transition, the full commitment. Like this sort of leads that charge for PlayStation. That's how I anticipated it. And for the record, you can go find videos on it for those who are curious. I say the same thing about Xbox. Although Xbox didn't get called out as much because they've sort of held their ground on supporting all gens. But I need to make it crystal clear. I was the first to be out there upset when I heard them say, we're going to be sorting the one for a while. Not upset. Probably not the right word. I was once again looking through the lens of the Halo Infinite. Man, you're doing open world stuff, huh? What what could have that been like on series only? You can't help but wonder, right? That's human curiosity. Yep. And it's it's these machines have been touted as these sort of like like actually um future not future proof, but the like like we're almost ahead of the curve a little bit, unlike the PS4 and Xbox One, which when they arrived, there's a big conversation happening on like, hey, these are already kind of behind. And they will be behind for a while. Although both systems, I think, did a great job getting a lot of life out of them. These seem to be in a better position. Of course, with AI progressing, there's that in the mix with NVIDIA and AMD maybe doing something that's not quite on the level of DLSS. But, you know, there there's something in the mix there where these systems are going to be hanging around for a while. And, yeah, I think early adopters have every right to, you know, want want more. Yeah. I think 
one other important thing to mention, because this is, seems to be the most common thing that people bring up. It's like, well, they have to because no one has a PS5 yet. They can't, they, you know, no one has one. They can't get one. It's like, I, I get that frustration. And I, I'm not trying to dim- diminish the people that don't have one and want one. I feel bad because I want everybody to be, able, be able to buy whatever they want and be able to enjoy it. Right. But the numbers show more people have a PS5 right now than at this point in PS4 for PS4's life cycle. Yep. So, yep. and they had no problem releasing exclusive games for PS4 then, you know what I mean? Which maybe the counter argument to that is like, well, the PS3 didn't have quite the same install base, but I think it edged out Xbox 360. It did. I mean, granted 360 stopped producing, but you know, you're right, Maddie. I brought that up in my video as well. I mentioned the numbers saying, like, a lot of people say, well, it's a pandemic, you asshole. And I'm like, well, first of all, fuck yourself. But number two is if the numbers are leading beyond PS4 in a pandemic environment, I think PlayStation can – number one, they're clearly finding a workaround here to supply a very high-demanding audience, which is excellent. But I – Man, dude, I just I feel like if they're doing well there, then they could almost anticipate when they can get more consoles out. There will be that install base. So I would love to see them do at least God of War. I Horizon is a pill I could swallow for sure. Gran Turismo I find surprising, but I don't care about racing games. So I'm biased. Whatever. I'm like, all right, whatever. Sure. Like, whatever. God of War is the one really I had the problem with. I was like, that's... That's weird to me. Um, so I don't have much more thoughts to share on it other than that. But right. if you have more, by all means. No, I think that's it. I know that there will be blowback, but I don't really care. <laughs> I mean, it's not that I don't care what people think. Yeah, I just speak your mind. I'm 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 totally like of if you have the opinion that it's like this is great. So more people can play it. That's fine. I think it's a totally valid opinion. Um, and that's fine. I support thinking that. You know, whatever. Um, the thing that just grinds my gears is people that are like saying they won't be God of War isn't compromised in some way. Like, Mm-mm. I just yeah. don't. There, there, I cannot see any argument behind that unless the the only way I could see that is if did they start development with with both and then move it over or something. I mean, maybe that's possible. It's just like. I don't know. It's clearly just a business move. They said as much in the in the Q and A, right? Right. And I want to stress one more time to sort of wrap it up. I'm sure people have already left their comments, but when we say compromised <laughs> or or you can't wonder what if, both Dustin and I have already said this, but I'm going to emphasize it. We don't mean the game is bad. Please right. don't be that person who writes in saying we think the game is bad because we will mention this segment and we will timestamp it for you. There we you don't go. think the games are going to be bad. We you just can't wonder what compensation has been made to fit it onto a ps4 or design choices that have been slimmed down it happens man it happens so we'll see um (laughs) these games will be great regardless but and i when i'm playing them am i going to give a fuck no but it's it's of course the return on investment so it's all about for a second i i felt bad about saying i don't care but then I was thinking, I'm like, normally Carrick is on this show. He'd be like, I don't fucking care. And if you yeah, think this, say. then you're a fucking idiot. And I'm like, okay, I'm probably fine. 
Yeah. <laughs> there is a difference in tone, right? Like I sat here and went like, I'm saying this, but fuck you. I don't care. People would be like, Matt, what the fuck, man? What's good with you, dick? And and then if yeah. Carrick did it, we'd be like, <laughs> love Carrick, right. man. <laughs> right. It's, like, it's just wild, bro. All right. What's next? We have much more positive news to get into with Marvel XCOM. So there was a, a pretty surprising leak that occurred uh, yesterday, uh, Thursday, June 3rd. Um, and it's about 2K's little showcase. Um, so there's an article I'm reading here from GamesBeat. It's the first one I clicked on. Oh, damn it. I swiped. There we go. Okay. New info regarding upcoming and unannounced 2K projects popped up on Reddit yesterday, and I have confirmed that that leak is accurate. So, very interesting. This comes from Jeff Grubb. Uh, the leak noted that NBA 2K22 will feature Dallas Mavericks legend Dirk Nowitzki uh, on the cover. But more interestingly is a Borderlands spinoff that is called Tiny Tina's Wonderlands. It's a new game. Uh, a game that European gaming site uh, Game Reactor teased earlier this spring, and Gearboss Ran- uh, Gearbox boss Randy Pitchford essentially confirmed its existence as part of his effort to respond to rumors. Gearbox is developing Wonderlands, which will still focus on Borderlands-style class-based shooting action. Firaxis is a turn-based strategy game with Marvel superheroes. The leak pitches it as XCOM with Marvel heroes. And that is a fair way of describing what players should expect. Finally, Codename Volt is a sci-fi action game that also brings in magic and other supernatural capabilities for the player and enemies. Again, the leak does a good job of summing it up to what to expect, calling it Cthulhu meets Saints Row. This is a new game from Hangar 13, which previously created Mafia 3 for 2K games. Dustin, this is a healthy little leak we got here. Mm-hmm. Gives mm-hmm. a fuck about NBA. Um, what, what about the others there? New Borderlands, Cthulhu meets Saints Row, Marvel XCOM. Where do we start our feast? I don't want to talk about Borderlands. Fuck it. No, just, no. I, um, oh. I don't like Borderlands, Maddie. Okay. I respect I don't you. like it. I, I find, I find it kind of cringe. The, oh. the, the, the story, the game, the, the, the humor of the game is kind of, Cringe Which to me. One? Whole series or specifically, uh, like I didn't. I thought th- I agree with you. I use that word sparingly. I thought three was pretty cringe-inducing. One well, and two are great. I but. thought two was. I played the most Borderlands I've ever played is two. Mm. Um, Makes sense. So yeah, anyone can be like, "Well, you never played three. I played. I, I think I almost beat two. You're not missing um, much. <laughs> so. But that's the thing is that I was like, I don't know about the humor in this game. I think it's kind of lame. And then when Borderlands 3 came out, everyone said that it was worse. I was like, well, I'm not. I'm just not touching that. Mm -hmm. And the other thing, this is just me personally. This is just an opinion. Um, But I don't want to play. If I'm going to play an RP, put a lot of time into an RPG loot based FPS, I'm going to play Destiny 2. Ooh. Like, to me, yeah, it's just like dun, 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 dun. here they, they go, go, dude. They're going, dude. <laughs> yeah, but no, that's just the thing for me. That it's like if I'm gonna be grinding out stuff and new loot, then I'd rather it be for a forever character or something. You know what I mean? Like an ongoing thing. That's almost how I feel about um. Ooh, do I want to say this, Maddie? Mm. 
I it's think about, he should. It's, I don't know what it is, but I think he should. <laughs> I'm just gonna peer pressure you. Part of why I really very quickly dropped Dragon Age Inquisition because I was like, this feels like an MMO, but not, and I'd rather just play an MMO. That was years ago, though, so maybe oh, that take not, is wrong. That's not dangerous at all, Dustin. Okay. You psyched yourself out there. Everyone agrees. You can like okay. Inquisition, but I don't know if anyone can really defend its gameplay design. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can. Okay. You're safe. So, yeah. So the Borderlands thing, I mean, cool. Maybe it'll be something different. Maybe I'm, I'm always, I'm not going to be closed-minded mm-hmm. about just because I didn't like something in the past. I'll be curious to see. Let's talk about Marvel XCOM. Let's. Let's talk. Because I loved XCOM 1. Really loved XCOM 1. Well, you know what I mean, the new, the reboot. Yeah. XCOM 2 did not grip me. And it's interesting because I watched, there's a really good video from Game Maker's Toolkit about XCOM 2. And they're like, I think the thing that a lot of people don't like about that is the time limit on XCOM 2. It's one of those things where I understand the game design decision but I don't I don't know. At the time I did not I did not like it. I did not like the timer. I and again, I get it like the pressure. It doesn't make sense that you have forever to do this stuff, but maybe I'm just a bad strategy gamer or something, but um it didn't hook me the same way. XCOM 2. So I'm excited about a new big XCOM game. Not not so excited about it being Marvel. Because My, oh sorry, I, I I'm sick of Marvel. Good. Oh, I understand. I, I was gonna say for me, the only thing I'm worried about with this game is if it's Marvel heroes. Dustin, there's no permadeath. These superheroes oh, don't die, and I true. I love the risk reward nature of XCOM. That's what grabs me with those games. Not that an XCOM game can be like safe while, uh, or it can't be good if it's not safe. Uh, as in Mario and Rabbids, where there's not permadeath. Mario doesn't just get scorched off the face of the earth. Don't get me wrong. But for me, that's like the high investment. So I like Fire Emblem. That's why I love XCOM, man. Like, I love that kind of hardcore nature. You could turn it off. Um, maybe like superheroes are almost this kind of backup. Like you don't travel with like Black Widow and Hulk and everyone. Like maybe you have shield soldiers alongside some of the heroes. That would be cool. But this one, when I saw it, I was like, Wow. Awesome. I want more turn-based and tactics games in the industry. I think we're just like, I think I've noticed lately more and more like these action games, like you need a really complex system to fucking impress me, man. Or like nice progression. I guess Resident Evil 8, like that, that game progresses well. It's still a first person shooter, but we're in such an action heavy space. That's why I'm so happy to see personas like staying turn-based. It's like, please man, that we have Yakuza as turn-based now. We need more of that because we're such we're so oversaturated with beat 'em ups, hack and slashes, shooters, and I get it. Action's cool and all, but I'm very thrilled that this game even exists because I'm sure yeah. it was really hard to pitch. Just like yeah, it's Marvel, but like we saw with Avengers, what happened where it's like you can't just go yeah, it's Marvel, it'll work. Like your mm-hmm. game, if it sucks, will fail. And especially after Avengers, I am a little more hungry for something Marvel gaming related not show and movie after end game i've kind of like i watched wandavision i thought that was good but like i've sort of fallen off and i don't care as deeply i can't imagine we're the only ones um but on the gaming front like yeah i'm a little hungry for a, a good marvel experience 
Yeah. That's the thing. Um, I don't know. Marvel is just, there's, it's just, uh, I don't want to sound like I'm bashing anybody that likes it still, but I just can't, to me, it's like, it's too much of a good thing, too much saturation of the same characters doing the same types of moves. Like I just, I'm, I'm not excited about doing the special Captain America shield throw in XCOM. I'm not that doesn't excite me. Like we've we've seen the shield throw in a few other games now. We've seen it on screen so many times. I just I don't know. I'm just not doesn't pump me up. But either way, I'm I may check it out if the gameplay is solid. It'll be like you said though, it's it's gonna have to be pretty different if it is uh playing as heroes, you know, no permadeath yeah. and that's that's a big aspect of it. I, I plan on definitely looking into it more and just by concept alone, a tactical Marvel game playing it. Cause for those who are OG ham radio listeners, it's one of our lowest listened to episodes. So you're mega OG now square Enix announced that they were making an Avengers game. And at this time, Carrick and I were sitting here and we're like, dude, imagine if they make a turn-based game like cell shaded art style. So, if I get that pretty much here, fuck yeah. I finally got the game I want. It's just from a different developer and more competent one at that. So I'm right. actually a little more remembering that. I'm a little more excited now, Dustin. Gotta okay. pull it down. Borderlands, I'm with you, man. I like Borderlands more than you. I love one and two. But three and pre-sequel, it's, it's a series that gets a long leash because its first two entries I think were so good and its remaster of the first one was great. Um that kind of like revitalized it three gets a lot of great support too post launch. And I, I'm happy that it looks like gearbox didn't cave to any like monetization methods that I'm sure two K's tried to push on them. It's good that they're able to do that, but man, man, oh man, I, I just, the series writing and entries have gotten progressively worse and then it just becomes a typical loot shoot. And that doesn't grab me like it did when I was in my in my high school and college days. Like it's just not as mindlessly enjoyable. Um, and maybe it's because I don't know if it's nostalgia or whatever. Because I could see myself like getting down with a Diablo or a Dark Alliance and being like, "Fuck yeah, give me some of that." Like Diablo two remake, I'm looking forward to this year. But like oh, Borderlands, I'm not right. Yeah. Like it's so it's like there's a, something there to be said. Wonder if I'm just a little tired of shooters now. But I'll keep an open mind for this. I'm sure I'll try to play this um, just because I want to – I know there's something there with Borderlands because even 3, it's I don't want to act like it's the worst thing on the planet. 3 is a solid game. Gameplay-wise, it's pretty great. But I want to keep an open mind here um, with this one. My problem is that Tiny Tina seems to be kind of at the forefront. Dustin, this is cool and all, but you're tapping into your too much of a good thing. Tiny Tina was great. She's a side character. You're like, wow, you know, this is this is so awesome. Like, she's just kind of there and gone in Borderlands 2. She gets her own DLC. You're like, all right, cool. More of that good thing. It's sort of what I wanted. Then 3 comes around. It's like she's there again. Now she's getting her own game. It's like make new characters. Um, right. That's one thing I liked about 3 is at first I used to pitch the idea for 3, like bring the old characters and the new characters is all playable. I like when Borderlands makes new characters now. So I, I'm a little nervous about that because it reminds me of the pre-sequel, you know, tapping into the lore, 
deeper to keep these kind of recurrent story characters as playable. So I'm getting some some pre-sequel vibes with this game. I will hold my opinion until we see it, but as it stands now, nothing to say on that. I don't know even when it's going to release. Whatever. Anything to say on Codename Volt? Sci-fi action game Cthulhu meets Saints Row. I like Cthulhu. So, or just I mean the the uh, the monster Cthulhu. So that sounds cool. Is it Cthulhu? The Call of Cthulhu game is that's what it's referring to, or like Cthulhu uh, meets. I, I think Row? Cthulhu is kind of just like a. Uh, what is Lovecraftian? Yes, thank you. I yeah. thought it was that, but I was unsure. Yeah, like that style of. Okay. Game. Cool. It's pretty good. Pretty good. Looking forward to 2K Showcase for sure. All right, Dustin. Last but not least, patron questions to round our show up. Let's go ahead and do this thing. I made the mistake of not opening the Discord app, so I've got to sift through this. Let me buy some time. Buy some time. Um, What's for dinner tonight? Um, (laughs) I got a a, good question. I got a, 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 a local shop near me that's doing like, uh, pre-made meals so to say like you know how you can like there's freshly like where you can get these pre-made yeah. meals sort of, sort of like eat healthy but like on the go sure. so this local place that i support a lot is doing that now and um i'm very very excited about this dustin because for me my biggest miss most days rather when i miss a meal it's lunch that's the easiest meal to work through i get my right. breakfast i get my dinner lunch is easy to miss so having a couple of days where I don't need to make it in advance and I can just grab one of these meals, I'm testing them out. So I got one. I had mm-hmm. it today. It was a uh, chicken pasta with queso and all this stuff. It was fucking great, man. It tasted so good. I'm going to try some beef later. We're going to see how that is. That's for dinner. Okay. For that sounds good. Holly is wanting to go. There's a new like Asian fusion restaurant that just opened downtown where I live. I think mm. we might be doing that. As long as uh, natural climate, you can right Fridays. That's is that like a thing for you two? Um, pretty regularly. Yeah, I was gonna say every every time we do a show, you're like, we're going out getting a burger. This time we're going out here. I love it. It's because we're too it. lazy to cook anything after. I mean, at like you know seven, eight, eight o'clock at night, it's like fuck it, me, just yeah. <laughs> go buy food somewhere. Are there like so, a lot of masks where you're at? Because like here, like there's not really any. Like when you go out to eat, like do you like walk in and like there's this mask on no um pretty much everywhere it, i mean it just it just changed in like last week and a half where oh, okay. for the most part i don't think there's really any mask requirements mm. anywhere so i mean in a restaurant it used to be you just had to walk in with a mask once you're seated then yeah i meant like do, do you like like have you seen like when you're walking around like for me like when i was walking to all the stores and stuff like just no one was wearing it anymore no no one's wearing a mask anymore yeah Hell yeah. All right. Let's get into it. Starting off with sci-fi, man. I apologize for some of the questions we missed uh, last week. I did announce, though, on the server that there wasn't going to be an episode. So uh, feel free to resubmit for the coming week. But that will obviously be our E3 reactions. We might delay the show. Um, Actually, am I doing the math right? Yeah, we might delay the show again just to compensate for that. Otherwise, we'd have kind of like a pointless episode. Um, yeah. So we're running on a similar schedule with Duke. But anyway, feel free to resubmit, but just keep in mind, you might want to wait for your submissions for E3. Sci-Fi Man's up first. Sup, guys? I'm wondering what is the best advice for getting into martial arts? I know nothing, so I have no clue where to begin. 
I was wondering if any of you had personally heard of people in uh, the modeling community getting jobs in the games industry. Thanks, and I hope you all have an awkward experience in public this week. Wow, thank you. Oh, wait, I thought on. you said the modeling. He did say that. No, was... it's the modding. Oh, I did. I'm sorry. The, the, I, yeah. mo I was thinking of like a model. Yeah. It's like, it's yeah, time. That's what I think. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're sorry. good. <laughs> the modding community getting jobs in the games industry. To answer the latter part, yes, I have heard that. I've also heard, strangely, some other people from the modding community have said that, like, I don't know if it was Bethesda specifically, but I've heard that they sometimes don't hire them on. Um, whereas I saw CD Projekt Red say a lot of their staff were hired on as Witcher 3 modders. So yeah. a lot of companies take modders because it's like the proof is in your pudding right there. So yeah, mod away, man. That'll that'll help. It's a portfolio. You're creating a portfolio. That's why my friends, like they write for like Super Jump and whatnot because it's like you're it's not about writing for clout. Like you're writing to have a portfolio. So you go to the IGN or whatever and say, like, here's my work. Here's what I do. Here's how much I know that type of stuff. As for martial arts, Dustin, have you ever done martial arts before? So should, should uh, this be all me. When I was in elementary school, but not, uh, I never liked it. Even though uh, I did it, I quickly realized I didn't like it, but <laughs> so this is all you, Maddie. Uh, all right. So advice for getting into martial arts. I know this is going to sound like shitty advice, but just hear me out. <clears throat> I just say go and do it. That may seem like obvious, but here's the thing, right? Is I remember when I went to sign up, I was very nervous. I was, I remember like sitting in my car on my phone, like, do I want to do this? It's very intimidating. You think it's not a big deal, but what happens is you realize when you're watching some of the classes is it's almost like a performance, right? Like when you start doing your kicks, your, your strikes, your takedowns, you realize people are watching and, and, you feel very exposed in your early belt rankings because you'll see people who are higher up than you really just excelling, performing well, and you wonder if you'll ever get there. That's why my main bit of advice when you go and just do it is make sure that you're signing up for a place that has good culture. If you are in an encouraging environment, martial arts comes easier because everyone treats each other as equals. And I'm not saying just be a good person. One of the kind of mantras for the school I went to was, was I could be a black belt or which I was not, but like I could be a black belt and I would treat the white belt with the same amount of respect. It, like it, there is no difference in treatment based off your belt ranking. So my biggest encouragement would be sign up to a place that has good culture that is encouraging and that, that helps you get better because if you believe in yourself, you will surprise yourself with what you can do. But if you go to a place that's all just like crunchy and like, oh, fuck yeah, and like beating the fuck out of each other, which I've seen before, some people respond to that better. I personally like am not looking for that. I'm fine with that. You know, I can take a hit and whatnot. Like you have to if you're going to study martial arts. But it's not – It. I would just say make sure you're in a, a welcoming environment to build yourself up. And then if you have the confidence, go to other places. Sure. BeanieJ86 is up next. Thank you, Dustin. Oh, this one looks like it's for me and Carrick, but I'm sure you can chime in. Howdy, gents. 
I have a review-themed question for Maddie and Carrick. There was a lot of hype surrounding Biomutant prior to its release. I, for one, was stoked based on what I saw. Your informative reviews alongside what was a pretty significant consensus of others certainly poured some cold water on that hype. It seemed like THQ Nordic gave reviewers plenty of time, and that gave me confidence in the game. In the aftermath of these reviews, however, do you think publishers will begin to contemplate further reducing their cooperation with reviewers? Either way, thanks for saving me $60. I hope you and the whole community have a wonderful Memorial Day weekend and that we can all take a moment to remember those the holiday honors. Thank you for writing that for us. Yes, we agree. Um, So you can chime in on this, of course, Dustin. I don't think this is a Maddie and Carrick-specific thing. Do you think that... When a company sees, like, the bad reviews, do you think there's a tendency to reel it in and be like, you know what, let's not hand it out as early next time? Biomutant, we got very early. It was, like, two weeks. Mm. And usually when you see that, it's a sign of confidence or that the game is complete. But upon finishing, I was like, this needed more work. I'm surprised they didn't give us just a week. Um, mm. Do you think that well, that's going to be a response over time? I don't know if the amount of time with, develop- with reviewers is uh... – the sign of confidence to me it's the amount of time that uh between embargo and release which i believe biomutant was pretty close between embargo and release so a day, a day. yeah like if, yeah the reviews came out a day before and then uh the release date was after right as far as publishers willingness to do that i don't dude it's so weird and it's different for everyone i mean we've seen publishers be petty about individual reviewers giving bad reviews um thq actually did it they were like grabbing clips of what reviewers said and like acting all confused about it. i was like oh not good <laughs> yeah so i mean we've seen bethesda did this where they were like yeah we're not doing early reviews anymore because they don't help us, so and they quickly they they change course on that. Um, so I don't know. That was kind of a, a bunch of different thoughts there. But I I mean this with all due respect to Beanie. So don't think I'm like I'm pulling a carrot here. But when I say I don't care, as in <clears throat> I don't expect anything from these companies when it comes to review copies. I when I send out my emails, like my default thought is, what am I going to do when I don't get this? Like, cause I've had games where it made sense. Like I was covering Andromeda a lot. It was doing well on my channel. I reached out to Bioware and they were just like, yeah, we'll get your review code. Nothing. Like I've been burned on occasions where it would make sense for me to get early access. And I didn't. And I've also had games come in that would never make sense. Like Rot- shadow, the tomb Raider. I got like a week early from square Enix, no less to like never speaks to me. And I was like, okay, I don't know what's going on here. So it's so hit and miss that I just don't care. So if they give me less time, I will review what I can and give impressions like I did with uh, uh, Mass Effect. I got it two days early. So I was like, I'm not going to do a full review. I'm not going to present it like a review. These are my impressions on it. Um, so I just operate with when, within what is given. Something like Resident Evil, they gave me day and date. And I'm like, well, I'm going to play this. I'm going to talk about it in our shows. I'll probably stream it a little bit at some point. But it's too late for a review. Each one's a case-by-case scenario in my reception of the game. As for when companies hand them out. Like I said, the expectation's not there in the first place. Um, and I don't anticipate that bad because they, if they only responded to good reviews, then a lot of companies wouldn't be handing stuff out. I think you hand it out because you know on the off chance someone likes it 
whether they are an outlier, probably like Biomutant, where there's, I would imagine reviewers going, here's why the Biomutant reviews are wrong. Just because that game has that certain vibe to it, wouldn't be right. surprised at all. Like it, it had a lot of hype drummed up right before its launch. Um, and it seemed almost like a too good to be true. 20 people making this whole game. Like, come on, man, you got to like this. Um, but yeah, I don't, I think companies understand that there is value to that review. Maybe not as much as streaming day one and getting people to see the game in action and re reacting to it live and kind of being like, I want that experience. But if you get a good review, it's accurate, it's fair, and it, it speaks positively of your product. And yeah, it's good. There's also on the other end, what people aren't thinking of is when you don't do review copies at all, it's like, Oh boy. Like no yeah. one got it. No one got it. That's typically That's not always, but typically spells trouble. Unlike doom, which did review well, even though they didn't do review copies. Cause Bethesda was, was coy with that one. They were just like, Oh, well we'll just drop one of the best first person shooters and then tell them we're not doing review copies anymore. <laughs> it's like, Fuck you guys. Yeah. Justin Lovano 13 is up next. Hey guys. Recently, there's been all this news about DRM issues for Series X. <laughs> we'll explain while we're laughing in a sec. Uh, where players cannot play Xbox One physical games without an internet connection. Is this issue being overblown? How many people are currently having a, a, a Series X and don't have access to an internet connection, considering you needed a connection to buy the console? Also, I was wondering if the past year of COVID allowed you guys to develop the time, uh, allowed you guys the time to develop an idea of who you want to be going forward. For many, this year was depressing. However, I found I was able to really start begin chasing my dreams and working harder than ever before. Curious if anyone has had a similar experience. I don't mean to make light of a year of tragedy. I just know I found some positive in it. Thank you, Justin. Dustin. Uh, why don't you take the DRM thing? Because I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know anything about it. It's like totally. I saw some people were upset. Um so but. to my understanding for the research I've done, the reason I laughed was because we put po uh, Dustin posted a clip on, on uh, last stand media of us talking DRM. And there's this one part at the three minute mark where like Carrick says, PlayStation has the same thing. I had interpreted it when he said that as he was talking about the uh, CMOS battery, which we'll get into somewhat. And I, so I say in agreement with Carrick, like, yep. And he carries on. We start talking about Nintendo, Xbox. It really didn't talk about PlayStation at all. Vi let's just say the video like to dislike ratio is not pretty right now. <laughs> so we're no. like, all right, whatever. What can you do? So this is an opportunity to talk on that a little bit more. Pardon me if I, if I don't take this opportunity, right? For the Xbox side of things, what's happening is you need to have an internet connection to set up your console. PlayStation does not need this. You do not need to have an internet connection to set up your console. Xbox requires a one-time activation. Then you can kind of go offline for certain periods of time. What's happening on the PlayStation side of things is more aggressively with the PS4, it's a CMOS battery issue where if that goes out, there's a connection with the trophies and the servers and pretty much the console becomes e-waste. With PS5, it's a little more spotty. Certain games do work offline with things deactivated. There are certain games like Cold War, which will start up. Black Ops Cold War, I should specify, but will not connect online because of something else. There are games just flat out don't work. There are games that do work across both PS4 and PS5. So it's a lot more spotty there where you can make the argument that PS5 doesn't have a similar issue. But when I said on Duke Ultimate, like, yes, I agree PS5 has the same issue. It's about DRM in general. There is a problem with at the core of this is that eventually these consoles are going to hit a wall big or small. 
PlayStation smaller, Xbox much bigger, where your consoles will not be able to play certain games. So is the is the issue overblown in answer to Justin's question? No. Because some are saying it is because it's not going to be a problem for probably a decade. But when it becomes a problem, we're probably going to wish it were overblown because we can be proactive right now. Say, hey, Xbox, hey, PlayStation. PlayStation, much easier to create a patch, by the way. A lot of this problem with Xbox's DRM was presented through smart delivery where they needed to do online checks to then scale the product properly. Um, so there were, there were certain games that uh, Modern Vintage Gamer tested out to, to sort of support that theory. So really right now, PlayStation's in a good position where they can try to patch this out. Xbox less so because it requires the reworking of one of their best-selling points for their current console. And it's strange because Xbox has really touted that we don't leave your games behind. We care about bringing generations over the whole shebang. So to make this as minor of a long-winded response as possible, um, yes, it is, it is not overblown now, but it really should be because we have the opportunity to be ahead of the game on something that can become a bigger problem in my eyes. Even taking my whole nostalgic collector part of this out of the equation. Anything you want to say on that? I think that was well said. Oh, thank you. Perfectly well said. Thank you. I have nothing to add. Yeah. Unfortunately, have... the uh, the people who saw the clip will not see this. But for those no. who do, they can come in next week for Defining Duke and just be like, yeah, Maddie, I heard it. Thank you for that. Right. There you go. I can add to the second part, though, Let's real go. quickly. It's been, I don't know, I guess it's just a comment. I don't know if it's an answer, but he asked about us uh, changing or develop an idea of who you want to be going forward. Dude, from from March 2020 to March 2021, like, just the amount of change for me professionally, it's it's the most professional change I've ever had. I mean, just between rebranding last stand media and being on sacred symbols and doing streaming. And so it's been weird. i feel like I'm still figuring out, uh, on a professional level, like what Dustin Furman does mm-hmm. as far as on a personal level though. I don't know. I, Maddie, I think we maybe, was it on this show that we talked about like being, uh, we'll say between the age of 25 and 30, it's a weird time for COVID to happen. No, th- I had this conversation with Chris. So it was a weird time for COVID just in the fact that it's like I had the realization of uh, I don't want to say time slipping away, but almost like that. It's like mm-hmm. something clicked in my brain that I'm like, hmm, uh, I'm no longer a young man. I'm not old. Don't get me wrong. I'm not I don't I'm not claiming to be old, but um I don't know. Something's different about life. Something's hitting a little different. Uh, yeah. The things that were like, oh, that's, oh, that w- wasn't that long ago. No, it was actually five years ago. Like, it's like that, only with everything. For me, yeah. it's like, oh, that wasn't that long ago. Wait, yeah, it was. The things that don't feel long ago now fe- are actually, you know, quite far away. It's weird. Yeah, it it's challenging for me on that front because you know you feel like this is the time you should be living your life like i'm 25 i feel like i should be out like traveling doing things you can't obviously Mm -hmm. maybe now we can start looking into it more but 
yeah, I totally understand that feeling. And um, <clears throat> for me more so, like I think of, you know, I always say to people that I don't really have, like we'll use Colin as an example. Like I worked this many years at IGN. I did wiki guys. I did this, this, that I had these podcasts. You have almost a portfolio. I feel like my biggest kind of thing I can tout about myself is like, I am kind of like homegrown talent. Like I've been doing this since I was 13, really like making commentary over games. And obviously that's evolved tremendously. And one of the things that I think surprises people the most is, you know, Oh shit, you're really young and kind of that like, Oh, maybe bright future type of perspective. And I'm like, once that goes, what is there? Right. You know, I, I don't know if my channel at times I wonder like, is that enough to just back it up and be like, this is me is what I've got. I wonder that sometimes it sounds almost like an existential crisis it kind of is, but um, that's the one thing that I thought about with time slipping away. Um, whereas developing myself, I think I almost think I've developed in a worse sense when it comes to working. Cause I took on more stuff and I have less time to myself. Like I even thought about it today when I was setting up my camera, I'm like, I remember like back in 2018, like I just have like two days, three days a week where I'm just like, I'm going to do whatever. I'm going to play some games. I'm going to go out. I'm just going to like live my life. I have not really lived my life. Part of it's because like, oh, with COVID, like what fucking life am I going to go live? But once things right. go back to normal, I'm starting to have that feeling of like, well, fuck, I got to like, I got to adjust now because like I will be, I will have no excuse, right? I'll have no excuse. I will be able to go out, but like I'm just working a lot. And part of it's because I love it. But part of it's also, I'm like, what else am I going to do today? It's like, I don't want to just sit and play games all day. But right. it's it's been a good development and a poor development, right? So thank you for the question, Justin. Yeah. J Lopez7331 writes in, hey, dudes, just piggybacking off of the prior podcast two weeks with Carrick talking about marathon runners shitting themselves. The desert race he was referring to was the Bad Water Ultra Marathon. It covers 135 miles nonstop from Death Valley to Mount Whitney. You have basically got to run the on the white line uh, or white lane of the road, or your shoes will melt. Anyways, the more you know. My question is: Would you rather have a paper cut or stub your toe? Oh, mm. stub my toe. Yeah, I'm gonna go stub. Yeah, I feel like that's an instant pain that goes away, depending on how bad the stub, the, how bad you hit. But paper cuts last forever. Feels yeah, like. Man. I was gonna say paper cuts. Like I, I would rather a a a immediate powerful pain than a nagging kind of issue that permeates through like little things in my life. It's how I define my elbow, right? My elbow for many for like a good part of a year didn't hurt. It's just that you would feel tightness in the muscle. So if I lifted something more than 10 pounds, I'd feel the pull. And I'm like, that's fucking annoying. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't hamper me for anything doing. It's like you are grading my mentality, though. Whereas right. if I just broke my elbow, I'd be like, fuck, yeah, this fucker will be fixed in three months, whatever. I don't give a shit. But, yeah, I, I would give me my stub toe. I'll break my toe on that coffee table. I don't give a crap. Damn. Beats, beats a paper cut. Natural Calamities up next. First off, Maddie, I want to congratulate you on how far you've come with your content. I'm here from the Lone and Noah days. I can say you were more of a sh- I can only say uh, – I can, for one, say you were more of a shithead, so cheers. Carrick and Dustin, you guys were also shitheads, so congratulations. Thank you, Calamity. I start my first question with the return of the food wars. 
Uh-oh. See, we don't have Carrot here to really stop us. What is the yeah. worst food combinations you've seen? Pineapple on pizza, fries with ice cream, ketchup and ramen. Make your choice. Lose your appetite. Is a second question for us, but worst mm. combination, man. I saw my dad. This isn't a worst. But my dad is a garbage plate kind of guy, so especially with hot dogs. Uh, so no. I watched this son of a bitch take his hot dog, throw it on the plate. The baked beans are on the other side of his plate. Dustin, he fucking scoops those over, puts them on top of the hot dog. <laughs> he takes like sabret onions, sauerkraut. Those are on top now. He squirts some fucking mustard. I'm like, what is this now? And he just mixes it up, knife and fork, Dustin, and a spoon in there to scoop the rest. And he just eats it, man. He just eats this, this, this cacophony of, of flavors. And it, it was disturbing yet fascinating. I felt like I was in a lab. Um, that might have been, that might've been one of the more shocking ones. I don't know if it was gross. Cause I like throwing stuff on hot dogs, but it was, it was pretty startling to see it within my own family. You just took me for a fucking trip, Maddie. <laughs> and I'm hurting from that. <laughs> I'm trying to, what is the worst food combination I've seen? I mean, I've, I remember being in elementary school and kids doing stupid shit, like dipping chocolate chip cookies and mustard just to get a reaction out of people. Oh, ooh, no. Um, I'm trying to think of one that's natural though. Um, for natural calamity, a natural yeah, food right. combination that someone actually enjoyed. Dude, fries with ice cream is delicious. Mm. Little little dip of the fry in the Wendy's. No, it's not. What happens? Did you, you guys did you guys talk about this on Duke? Yeah, we did. <laughs> Fuck you, Maddie. Dude, well, the fries you, and the frosty. Do you drink your frosty afterwards? Do you get like fry carcasses in there? That you're like, oh god, there's a no, crunch. No, they don't. They don't. That doesn't happen. I don't know. You like potato bits in your ice cream? Can't sure. be me. Fuck it. Fuck it. Um, <laughs> dude, ketchup and ramen. That sounds awful. Honestly, ketchup on anything is the worst combination. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Ketchup. Ketchup fits for me on very specific things, but ramen. That's fucking wrong, Ooh, man. No. Yeah. No. Quit. Let's see question two. Yeah. If you could be a fly on the wall in any game company, which would it be? And would you blog it all to your fly friends about what you saw? Are you the fly version of Jason Schreier? Mm. What a company I want to see the inside of. Probably Bethesda Game Studios just to see like mm. what they do, man. Like what? Like because they're so secretive, right? Would love to know more. I think that would be my pick. Pretty obvious one, but either them or, like, Persona. Like, how do they come up with the thematic ideas for that game? And how do they, like, concept them to be like, we're going to make this make sense where when you experience that moment, you think of a key word that kind of, like, pops out at you. Like, oh, this is depression or this is anxiety. Like, it, you just have those types of things in there. One of those two. Might be too broad, but for me, it has to be like Nintendo corporate. Oh yeah. Just because they make so many ass backwards decisions and yet they're so successful that I want to hear like how they discuss, you know, Hey, we should put fast travel behind the, the amiibo. Mm -hmm. No, they'll hate us for it. Well, fuck them. Like yeah, yeah, <laughs> how does the conversation like. <laughs> on that go? They'll buy it anyway. Like mm -hmm. how evil are they? Um, so yeah, we'll go, we'll go with Nintendo. I like that one. Red Eyes, White Wolf. Hey, y'all got two questions this week. Maddie and Carrick. Wow, we got a lot of these. What martial arts do you two train in? Um, I did Taekwondo. I don't do it currently because of the money it costs. 
and I had just moved into this space here, but, and then the pandemic picked up when I was going to come back. But now that things are easing up, I'm going to start going back, but that's what I did. But I want to do a different martial art. It's not, it's too showy. I'm, I want something more practical in the art of self-defense. So I've got a couple in mind that I'm going to look at. Brazilian jiu-jitsu kind of stuck out at me as one I was very curious about. Interesting. Second one's for you, Dustin. Here we go. If you had to pick between either going through Act 2 of Resident Evil 8 in real life one time or always having the ketchup pre-cum on any sandwich you eat for the rest of your life, which would you rather condemn your fate to? <laughs> well, okay. Great. <laughs> Holy shit. Wow. They, they need to be some distinctions because if, if I have the possibility of getting eaten oh, and, and, and dying – then I'm gonna pick the the ketchup pre cum because I don't want to die, um, and then I could just never eat a sandwich again for the rest of my life. But at least I'm alive, you know. Now, are you living though with no no sandwiches in your life? I don't know. Please mm. continue. Justify this. Right? I still got pizza. You know, I got uh, pizza. I got um, burgers. Hamburgers say, are not are not a sandwich. Are they a sandwich? I don't know. That's the thing, right? I was going to say, hold on. You might be limiting yourself more if you say no more sandwiches. Because I don't think I've ever put like a ketchup on a cold cut sandwich. Is a hamburger a sandwich? On Wikipedia, it says a hamburger is a sandwich consisting of one or more cooked patties. That's mm. a – yeah. I don't know. I did, I, I, to me, it's – I don't want to risk dying in a horrific situation – which I'm guessing I would, because I'd be very scared. So yeah, I guess I gotta go with the the ketchup pre cum. I will learn to love the cum. <laughs> <laughs> the ke- I, I I left the distinction off, but fuck it. Uh, <laughs> pen and pants up next. Since fellow patron Sean Mason tells you all his stories about his students in class, I'd like to share some of my interactions with kids. For context, I work in a before and after school program. Okay. All right, here we go. This is going to be good. I can already tell. On a crisp Friday afternoon in Arizona, I was looking after preschool kids. We hadn't been outside all that day, so I gave three remaining kids I had a 15-minute warning that we're going outside. Everybody was happy to go outside except one little girl. She said, no, I don't want to go outside. I replied, why not? To, To which she said so casually, it's hot as balls outside. What did the other two kids have to say about it being hot as balls outside? Nothing. They sat there playing Legos like it was common lingo. Oh, no. Damn. We're just learning how fucked the future generation is. Dustin, we need to do a good job just setting them up, future-proofing everything we do so that these hot-as-balls bozos don't come in and and ruin things. Mm. I mean, hey, they're eventually going to talk like that anyway. So start them early. That's true, man. I don't think my... I, I curse around my mom all the time. Like, half the shit I say on this show, I say right in front of her, and it's just like, she doesn't care. She's probably like right. when she was raising me those innocent little Matthew playing with my action figures. She's probably like I'm not. It's not gonna raise this loudmouth fucking YouTuber. <laughs> like, so you're right, Dustin. You know, just some of us end up great. Sean Mason's up next. Hey, sexy boys. Oh, I have a fun story to tell you about my students. I took my honor students uh, outside to observe nature. Can we just pause for a sec? This guy's always fucking doing. I feel like he does something every week, so he has a story to bring. He's like, yeah, this makes hey. sense. Let's go. After I told them to think about what they have just seen and jot down some of their thoughts for homework, 
They were tasked with writing a haiku about nature. For the most part, I was impressed with their writings. But one student had the balls to give me this. Stillness of... I, I fucking recognize this, Dustin. I fucking recognize this. Stillness of one's mind. A lone pebble alters fate. Rising from the depths. On the surface, it seems great. But it seemed a bit familiar to me. So I took to the internet. It comes to find out it's a haiku from Ghost of Tsushima. I've seen plagiarism, but plagiarism from a video game for a homework assignment is a first. My question, do you have any funny stories about plagiarism from when you were in school? Not necessarily something that you did, but memories from other students or friends being caught. Best Sean M. That is fucking That's wild. crazy. That's I read so that funny. and I was like, that looks so familiar immediately. <laughs> that is, I would like a follow-up from Sean. If he could write in for next week, please tell us how you confronted this student and told him you knew it was a haiku from Ghost of Tsushima. And if you even mentioned that or just said you have plagiarized, young Jimmy, you cannot be doing that. Funny story about big plagiarism, trouble. man. Yeah. I got um, one, but man, it's not a good one. <laughs> I don't I don't think I can think of any instances of people getting in trouble. I remember there was a kid that uh counterfeited a bunch of like ones and fives so he could buy snacks from oh. the in the lunchroom. Oh. He eventually did get caught and he actually not only got in trouble at school but also got uh fined heavily for counterfeiting money so that was one of those things i'm like you are a fucking idiot bro this is me at like 13 years old like thinking like yeah come on i know right um what about you you don't think you're gonna get in trouble with the law no i um i remember in college my buddy wrote a paper i did not do my paper so this was my freshman this is my my second year in college i did not write it so i carefully know I wrote the paper. That way was it? He wrote the paper. I, we sh- no. I'm sorry. We wrote it together. Two different papers. We we helped each other research because this class sucked. Mm. Our papers were close, but I thought pretty good. It's very interesting. Is afterwards, professor approaches me, not my friend, but me. I get a, my friend gets a C. Let's start with that. My friend gets a Uh-oh. C. I got an F. I'm like, hold on. We had the same sources. We, we had the same, like, something's wrong here. So I got accused of copying from my friend and plagiarizing. And she was like, I'm not going to tell anyone, but you need to be better than this. And I was like, what the fuck? Because here's the thing, right? Made my bed. I mm. lie in it, right? I made the mistake of working with someone instead of just doing it on my own. Sure. Right. I'll pay that price. What was fascinating is that my friend got a fucking C for the same shit. So I felt like, you know what? Maybe I had a target painted on my back and she just saw the moment, right? Right. Saw the moment to strike. Because by all actuality, she was just going off of no evidence, pure assumptions. And us sharing the same work, I was like, wow, okay, fair enough. That was my lesson there. I was like, I will never do that again. And I didn't for the rest of my college career up until I got my degree. And I was like, boom, we're done, baby. Let's move out of here. Um, but I thought this was a nice, interesting story to, to, to share with people that um, your boy was was not the best student at times. I cleaned up my act in college after that, but I was not a good student. So Dude, I sucked ass. 
I was a horrible student. That was when I was like, what, 18, 19? Yeah. So like I was, I was like very much like I was, I I don't even hide it. Like, I think I'm a smart guy, but I don't hide that. I was like a very much BC student. And it it wasn't until senior year of high school, I really buckled down. I did well there because I knew it was at the end. And then after that moment in college, it wasn't like a wake up call. It was more like a. I know I'm better than this. I know I'm a smart guy. I know I don't need to like work alongside my friends to create my homework and, and hit submit something. And so from there I was an A student, but it required like a true application of myself, which was pretty difficult to say the least. But yeah, I don't know if that was a funny story, but like, yeah, I definitely, I definitely fucked up at one point. All right. Cosmic Nomads up next. Hello, gentlemen. Quick story before my question. I got COVID back in January. Me too. Sorry to hear that. And it sucked for a little, but thankfully I recovered quick. That is great to hear. So I still had like a week or so of time off. So I used that time to plow through Valhalla. And even though I enjoyed it, I don't think I'd ever replay it. Anyway, I know some people have asked when you made something good out of a bad situation. So I have a slightly different question here. Have you ever had a lot of free time to do with whatever you wanted, but you wasted it? Everything lined up. You didn't have anything to do. You had a whole day to yourself. And you didn't take advantage. Yeah. I've done that where I've had time. It's like, I'm going to play this game. That day comes and you're like, I don't feel like playing a game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that happens actually regularly is that I'll plan on playing a game. And then the time comes. I'm like, eh, I don't feel like doing that. Yeah. And then other times when you want to play the game, you're not able to. Mm-hmm. Like you have something else you got to do or whatever. Think for me, the kryptonite is this cellular device right here because I will yep. have that time and I will shave it right off. It's I've done that. It's so annoying. I've looked at my hours on my phone and obviously it's like exaggerated because I'll sit here with like Discord up and it's saying I'm on my phone, which technically I am, but I'm not like engaging with it, staring at it, and all that shit. But yeah, You're using it as a tool as its intended purpose, right? Exactly. Um, but like I've looked at my Twitter use and stuff, and I'm like fuck like this is so bad man so for me that is my big siphon for sure all right we only got two more dustin and we can go get let's some do it let's go brandon stark's up next howdy gents i'm a marketing student in college right now and it's always been kind of a pipe dream to work in the industry just to arouse my curiosity is there any good jumping off point you'd recommend to learn more about how the video game industry as a whole or just marketing works most of what I understand comes from you three and Angry Joe. Thanks for always keeping me entertained and keep up the great work. Thank you, Brandon. Happy to answer this one. Do you have any um, general suggestions for Brandon on how to get kickstarted? Um, the biggest way that I just started learning about the industry was just like, I don't know, charting my own path. Mm-hmm. Me and Ben and Brandon started our own website. Ben had experience, but... I didn't and Brandon didn't. And we just like learned as we went uh, by covering games on our own and then eventually figuring out the, the PR song and dance and, and then the event like covering packs. We made Mm -hmm. so many mistakes. Um, Right. But it, uh, we didn't have anyone to show us what to do, which I mean, what you could maybe do depending on what you, I mean, marketing, you're in market. I don't know if you want to do writing or, or if you want to make videos or whatever. But can always there's plenty of outlets that I. Here's the thing. There's some people that are like, you should never work for free. I'm like, I agree with that if you're good at something. 
But if you're trying to figure out if you're good at something, then volunteer for a small video game website to do some articles. If they're making a shit ton of money off your product, which if they're a small video game website, they're not. That's the thing with HP. Like, no one got paid at HP mm-hmm. at all. And what was known, it was known that was like, we're doing this because we're passionate about it and we want to make a name for ourselves. And everyone was cool with that. Everyone was on board. It was like understood. Um, I feel like that's fine. Um, if it's, that's the idea behind it. Now, obviously that's different. That's different now because of Patreon. But at the time when we were starting, um, yeah, there was no there was no money in changing of hands, and we were all idiots <laughs> who had no clue what we were doing. So, you know, find find some other idiots and and do something, and eventually you won't be dumb anymore. Yeah, yeah, I um for marketing in particular, I don't know if I have a good jumping off point for you, Brandon. But I agree entirely with what Dustin said, which is that I don't think there's this sure shot. Like, here's a book read it you'll know what you need to know a lot of it sadly is kind of just drawn from experience i do think there's a degree of sidestepping so getting a job marketing somewhere else and then saying to a company a game company like you know we'll do marketing for you um and and sort of joining their team over there i think that's entirely possible because i don't know if they hire you off of your video game expertise or your ability to market, which I think is more important because I was the revenue generator. So I would say that would be my suggestion for the, the pathway. Um, because that's the only way you'll learn is by doing something. Uh, I wish I did have a better answer for you. I, I hope that is enough, but I would say the sidestep approach is, is totally plausible here. Um, where it's a lot more difficult in other regions of the industry for sure. Um, cause just like Dustin, you know, when I hopped into this thing, I st- still don't know what I'm doing. Right. It's just like, it's, it's kind of aimless in a way. Um, right. there's definitely books out there that you can read about the video games industry in general and learn about like development and whatnot. But I do think, um, one thing, one thing I will throw out there is, um, I, I, we had a write in for defining Duke, which was about, uh, someone did a cold email to Phil Spencer and long story short, he actually answered them and, and, tagged a recruiter and it was pretty cool of him maybe reach out to someone in the games industry like someone who does marketing whether it be through twitter like hey i'm aspiring i want to know about your path like there are a lot of people i know the industry at times gets a bad rap like it's very clicky and stuff and i think it is and a lot of people don't want to admit that but there's a lot of great people who just have no problem telling you their trade secrets and stuff like i'm i'm one of those people who like when you get in a call with me, like, yeah, I'll let you know everything. Like, I don't, I don't hide things. I don't act like, you know, you know, Ooh, I, I gotta like not tell you some of my secret techniques. It's like, no, you, you want to do this too. And right. You know, I, I, and so yeah, try to try to reach out an email, a DM and, um, ping some companies, man, about that stuff, not companies directly, but like they're on Twitter. You, you'll see in their little bio, it'd be like Xbox marketing manager or whatever. And it's like, Hit that person up. See what, see what you can do about that, and um, how to crack that pi- part of the industry. Just don't cold DM someone asking for a job with no. Yes. Yes. Yeah, sorry, I didn't. I don't think I made that clear. Yes. Yeah. 
it's fun dude that's what i wish people would do is just ask me like hey like like you said like advice or want to know more about how we do what we do that's fine i always find it funny and i get people sh- like i respect it don't take this as like i think fuck you for dming me asking for a job it's not that um because i understand some people you you want to shoot your shot and go for it i respect that but i always do i find it interesting when people will dm me ask for me for a job uh when we're not hiring mm-hmm. and not include a resume even on top of that i'm like what <laughs> like mm-hmm. what am i gonna do just be like hmm he seems motivated you're hired like that's always weird to me but i get it last question top simp gimp hello legends name. it is a name listen to a lot of podcasts while i'm working and i gotta say this is the best one keep it up lads thank you First question is a tech question. I'm building a PC for the first time, and I'm considering what advice you'd give me when choosing a processor. I'm looking at the possibility of an AMD Ryzen 9 5950X or the Intel iCore 10900K. Dustin? Expender. Defer to you. Um, I'm kind of out of the market right now just because I built a nice PC almost two years ago. Like I have a Ryzen 3700X. I think I'm going to up upgrade my processor next generation um i know a lot of people are thinking that the amd is is the best right now say, as far i had as... heard that as well but i wasn't sure enough to be authoritative on that right they're better i mean they're better value better priced and so i i'm not totally sure though like i said i haven't been following that as much but um there's so many great content creators that cover that kind of stuff whether it's um linus tech tips is a big one that i watch for a lot of stuff like that so but there's tons of them so yeah yeah i'd say look into amd personally yeah also maddie i'm just wondering if you're still in regular contact with lone and noah and if there's a possibility they could both make a guest appearance on the show in the future many thanks i am in contact with them i talk with lone every now and then i talk with noah most weeks um as for them coming on the show loan i've tried in the past he just really can't because of his position as a community manager at bethesda almost think it would be a little too casual and wouldn't end up well for bethesda um although pete hines has showed up on shows so maybe it's just something with bethesda australia i genuinely don't know and i don't pry because it's not really my business and loan and i are still friends and that's what matters i know no would be down but i know no is not like He's into gaming, but I know he's not like as big into it as he was when we first started the show. So I don't know how interested he'd be. But what I always envision is when I bring one on, I want to bring them both on um, whenever that may be. Uh, But it's something I've talked about. It's something I've looked into. It's not like I haven't tried. It's just kind of like I saw Lone the other day tweet. He was like, I miss podcasting. I'm like, yo, don't do this to me, man. I was like, I got a podcast for you right here. Um, And I would love to see. Carrick and Lone talk again, and I'd love to see Dustin meet Lone. That'd be cool. I have no idea who these men are. Lone is... uh, I mean, I've heard you talk about him. Yeah, Lone, you know, senior community manager, Bethesda, Australia. Noah's just one of my close friends in real life that joined me on this little adventure. And, um, yeah, we... uh, I would love to do something like that. It's just, like, also, I I have to say to the audience, like, it was an era of of our podcast. That's kind of what I love about this is you and I can sit down and do this. Me and Kara can sit down and do this. I can sit down and do this. A lot of people demand, like, it's 
a specific cast. Part of the DNA of Ham from its very beginning was an ebb and flow. Like there were episodes where it would be like not me. It would be Lone and he'd bring on like Nova Beam and other guests of his choosing. And there'd be times like Noah hosted. Like there was just we re- we've run a fluid show since day one. Like that's always what it's been about. And I understand because many are coming from like defining Duke and sacred symbols. So they're kind of expecting this more like rigid Maddie Collins style podcast. Like we run over there where it's like, you know, this is this section. This is that section. This is a lot more loose. And so that was like an era of ham. This is an era of ham. And like, we just, I want to, I'll say this at the front of one of these shows just to kind of make sure more of our audience catches it. But like, yeah, I want to emphasize how important it is to continue to embrace what we're doing here, which is what we were doing back then. Um, It's just with different hosts. So uh, thank you for the write-in and Dustin. It's now eight 12 time for us to get some food. I can feel myself fading. It's disappointing because uh, that the Asian place I mentioned, I didn't realize they closed at seven, which is really early. Yeah. I would have felt bad because that's on me. This episode no, we joked that it wouldn't be this long because Carrick wasn't here. But right here we are, at the no. three hour mark. Dude, who closes at seven p.m. on a Friday of yeah, all days? Like, that's just that's, that's a, silly. That's Sunday hours, man. That's ridiculous. Yeah. So what's the substitute gonna, now? I don't know. Um, Holly texted me that she went to the grocery store and picked up a few items, and the only thing she mentioned was chicken nuggets. Which I'm, I'm, my, I may be down for some, some chicken nuggets. We'll see. Okay. So, all right. We'll see. I'm gonna go microwave something like a lazy sack of shit. You got to do it sometimes. You just gotta. I love the micro. Microwave is one of the most versatile tools that no one gives enough credit to. Oh, of course. There are so many things that you can make without jeopardizing the quality of your meal that just people don't know about. I'm a microwave connoisseur. We'll talk about it on another episode, dude. I'm- well, well. I got it. Dude, you, you've opened up the microwave take. Here's the thing. One one quick thing. People shit on yes. the microwave, but then they'll throw something in for three minutes and then come out and be like, oh, why is this dry? Or why 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 what, yeah. why isn't this good anymore? It's like you got to know. You got to maneuver things correctly, whether it's putting saran wrap over, mixing things up, whatever. It's not just like a press a button and go necessarily. Yep. Yeah, man. I, I – uh two things I have for my microwave. One I don't use anymore. I used it in college a lot. It was, uh, it was called the, I think the egg tastic or something. And you would like crack the eggs in this ceramic jar. You could throw it in the microwave for like I think, a minute and it would scramble your eggs and you'd literally dump it out and it'd be scrambled eggs. It was fucking incredible. Huge, Whoa. huge asset in college on those, those quick mornings. You're like, I got to go, but you have a nice, healthy balanced breakfast tasted just like they came off the frying pan. Other thing, Fasta pasta. I use this to this day. It's a plastic tub. You pour some water in it. You take your pasta, and it fucking boils it in the microwave. I put it in the microwave for like 15 minutes, and it boils it. And you pour it out, and it's just like it came off the the stove. But people oh will disrespect God. the people will disrespect the microwave, and it's like, look, I get it, right? You want to be culinary, you you, you want to be all fancy schmancy. I get it. I respect it. I yeah. I admire a good cook, but man, if I can make it that fucking easy, why wouldn't I? Because I want to make more dishes for myself. I'm gonna be judged. I'll use my microwave for that. Thank you, Maddie. I'm I may be purchasing a, a pasta pasta now that you've enlightened me about this. This sounds dude incredible. It is, it is I'm looking point. at it right now, dude. Dustin, Holly will love you for this. You'll come out and you'll be like, "Babe, we're getting pasta tonight." She's like, "Where at?" You're like, "Microwave." What? 
you're going to bring out this beautiful boiled pasta that she will it'll it'll bend everyone's mm. minds you that's the thing right this is your this is your friday night tool now i oh. would highly recommend looking into it and it's not just like spaghetti throw macaroni in there man you can make whatever you want yeah I, I think it, it looks very appealing. And it's cheap. I think it's like, what, 15 bucks, 20 bucks? 15 bucks. 15 bucks. Can't go Damn. wrong, right? Can't go wrong. We got to put this at the front of the show. I just, I want to take this and just put it back at the front of the show. <laughs> I want to see if any other people are microwave connoisseurs. Anyway, big thank you to all of you who have listened this deep into episode 305. We appreciate you and your time. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Hot Takes, E3 Predictions, and Microwave Support. Dustin, I'm burping before I had my food. Any Man. any final thoughts? Not really. Um, it was a good show. Good to talk about E3. Very exciting. Yeah, man. And uh, yeah, it's been good. And next time we get together for Ham Radio, it will be to talk about what happened at E3. So it'll be a good time. And we hope you all look forward to that. Sorry for the gaps in the show, but it's just honestly, this coming Friday would be a complete waste of a show. So we're going to be proactive and do something about it. All right. Talk to all of you very soon. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Take good care of yourselves. Peace out. See ya.